This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome to another episode of Your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the damn right bizarre aspects of life, as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm not at my computer. I'm not at my setup. I don't have my fancy recording equipment. Literally just got my phone. This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One fish. Damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? This is it! This is the beginning of everything! I've been waiting for this all my life! a pair of headphones and I'm trying out a bit of an episode here on X so I thought I'd give the opportunity for the listeners on this platform to uh, have a go at interacting with our topic tonight what's your wildest conspiracy theory now the idea on this one being that now we all have conspiracy theories whether it's ranging from the geopolitical from what old Miss Hubbard down the street's been doing on the weekend. We've got all sorts of things that we make conspiracy theories about. Either we've heard them before, or we formulate ones ourselves. And that's what tonight is about. So we're just waiting for a few people to jump in and join the conversation. And we'll get started. Here's my one, though. So this is one I've been pondering for a little while now, is that People talk a lot about upright walking hominids, which tend to be, you know, your Bigfoot, your Sasquatch, your Yowie, your abominable snowman. All of these creatures are seen pretty well all over the world, seen by multiple First Nations peoples, and have a pretty rich history within their mythology and folklore. 
Now, the interesting part about this is how could we all have such a, a rich history and living memory of something that isn't real, right? So it begs the question, what is real and where does it come from? This is where I just really tried to unpack this theory a bit more. I've been researching a lot about First Nations peoples, Australian Aboriginals, uh, North American Indians, uh, people of Southeast Asia through Malaysia, and looking at all of their stories of the hairy man and where this comes into it. So here's how it kind of formulates in my mind. At one point in human history, there was at least five different types of upright walking hominids in the world. That's right, five. There was a Homo erectus, Homo habilis, uh, Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, and Homo sapiens sapiens, which is modern man today, right? All of humans were walking around the world in some kind of a quasi-Lord of the Rings world. So, you know, in Lord of the Rings movie... And the book how you had dwarves, humans, elves, orcs, trolls, all these things living in the same world. Essentially, we had that as a human species. We had our closest cousins. We had our closest cousins all existing at the same time. Hey, Duppy, first one in. I was just uh, going through a bit of my theory to begin with to get the space going. Uh, just about my theories around what the stereotypical Sasquatch or Bigfoot could be. Um, and I'll just back up what uh, my initial thoughts were that every major culture around the world, First Nations peoples in South America, North America, Central America, Australia, Asia, Europe, everyone has this idea of the wild hairy man. And for every culture who is separated by vast distances, spaces of time, they all seem to have this one connected story. And I was just saying, it kind of reminds me of the Lord of the Rings in some ways. In the Lord of the Rings books, you have the races of men, elves, dwarves, all these humanoid creatures living in the world at one time. Well, a lot of people don't realise that Earth had that similar type of situation going on. There was at least five upright walking humanoids or hominids existing on the planet at the same time at one point. You had... Neanderthal, Homo erectus, Homo habilis, Homo florensis, which is the short little nicknamed Hobbit guy, and uh, Cro-Magnon man, which is our our closest relative, what we really adapted from. So you had these five different types of humans all existing, and for whatever reason, through competition, um, interbreeding, whatever the current theories are, we came out as top dog and we decimated those types of uh, upright walking now, my theory on this, though, is where does the hairy man, the Bigfoot, come into this? If all these First Nations people, rich folklore and legend about it, there must be an element of truth in it. Now, people tend to poo-poo the idea of a, a great ape still existing in the world. I don't think it's actually a great ape on this one. Uh, my theory tends to lean towards that's what the original human is. Now... I'm going to go down the year of uh, domesticated and non-domesticated animals to give you like a parallel on this. When we have pigs in captivity, when they're hand-reared, they're pink, they're fat, they're well looked after, they don't have very long tusks, they have shorter faces, uh, and generally they don't have much body hair. Now, in 
the wild, if that same pig is released, it reverts back into a very wild state. Its face elongates, it gets long tusks, and it gets covered in hair pretty quickly. So my theory on this is that what we deem to be Bigfoot or Sasquatch today is just the original prototype for what a human is, the original humanoid, the wild before civilization took off, before we self-domesticated ourselves, really. And here's the difference in that. I think our day diets, which are heavily based on grains and uh, heavily processed foods and sugars and all those types of things, that's actually stunted our growth to some degree. Uh, even though you would say you're looking back at older skeletons from, say, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, people are a lot taller now, which, yes, they are, but we're a lot more fragile than what we were. Our bone masses have uh, decreased. Our jaw structures are far weaker and more dainty now. If you look back at some of the older skeletons of humans as far back as 10,000 years ago, which is quite short in the grand scheme of things, we aren't as robust as we used to be. We've got small little jaws, tiny little teeth, and we've got all these health issues that go along with it. And this reminds me of another animal, the dog. The domesticated dog, as science would have us believe, all originated from a single source, the wolf, and through selective breeding over years, we've kind of ended up with all these different breeds. Well, that's my idea of what we as modern humans are. Maybe we're just the domesticated versions of the original humans. We've become civilised, we've eaten uh, cooked and processed foods, we've gone to a mostly uh, heavy grain uh, based diet, which has made our jaws smaller and our teeth uh, less robust, and we've lost a lot of our body hair. So, what happens to a humanoid if they go completely wild off the grid? Would they die? In, would they just end up dying in the wild? Probably. But my theory is that those people would end up just becoming uh, what you would consider to be a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot, or a Yowie. So that's getting the ball rolling. That's my bit of a, a wild theory I've been going on for a little while now. But I want to hear from all of you guys, anyone that jumps on. Uh, jump on, share what wildest conspiracy theory is. It could be something you've heard before. It could be something you've kind of been piecing together in your own mind, things you've been pondering but haven't been uh, brave enough to share in public. This is definitely the forum for it. Jump on and share your thoughts. Hello, Teresa, Hello. my co-host. So wait, is, What's it, going is on? it ones that I um, haven't been able to click uh, You can do whatever you want on this. If it's a, a wild conspiracy theory, that's the whole point behind it. It's a theory, so it's just putting your thoughts out there. Wild and it's actually mainstream, but people still call it a conspiracy. Well, that's the thing. Conspiracy theories has become quite mainstream in the past couple of years, hasn't it? But yeah. majority of people think that, think a certain way, but you'll still get the establishment that will uh, definitely say it's it's not true and they'll still poo-poo it as a conspiracy theory, when most of us would say it's a, a fact. I reckon my wildest conspiracy theory is... Um, go to Fozzie. I'm gonna pull it up, and I'll and I'll tell you guys what it is. Oh, was Fozzie even gonna talk? Well, he is now. Well, he's now he's got a speaker. <laughs> I'm just setting a pancake. Go to him. Oh, I'll what? Be back. No, I'm eating pancake. 
eating a pancake. That sounds like you're about to start talking mm. about flat earth, mate. Pancake earth. Is that <laughs> where you're going with this one? Delicious, Delicious pancake, pancake earth. earth. And then. Flat earth. Oh, my God. I see so much flat earth stuff on TikTok now. A lot. Flat earth maps and flight paths. Yeah, well. And they, why are they making sense? Why are they? I don't understand. Why is it making look, sense? Someone... <laughs> well, this is the thing. There's, there's always an element of truth to every Am conspiracy I theory, Earth right? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video. I don't even know. I saw a video the other day. And it was a guy basically asking. It was kind of a rhetorical question, really, but it revolved around the flat Earth sort of movement. Is it like... <laughs> If the Earth is meant to be like rotating in one direction, how come it's not quicker to go in the opposite direction with the plane? I was like, oh, didn't even ask myself that one before. But then there was a moment <clears throat> that I was looking at like time zones when I was in India in comparison to like the distance between countries and the distance between, oh, sorry, the distance between countries and the times like corresponding. And a few things didn't add up to me. So I don't know. There might be. There might be flat Earth. It's starting to I'm look more like of a hollow it Earth is. Guy and you know what, Fozzie? Fozzie, have you seen our Vedic um, images of like depictions of Earth and no, the like different layers? Yeah, the different layers above us and below us. It's depicted as flat, and I was like, "Shit, have our scriptures been telling us this?" The whole time. and But then there's also parts in the books where it references a globe or there's, like, statues that are holding a globe. So that could be, like, man's interpretation. I don't know. Wait, Teresa, you're telling me the world is not a flat disc sitting on four elephants riding on the back of a turtle floating no, through space? it's a turtle. It's a turtle, not an elephant. It's a turtle. Oh, absolutely. That's my... Um, Okay, I found my conspiracy. Okay, go for it. What is it? And someone who was like very, very important to me sent this to me this morning and it resonated and I was like, wow. I'll read it because it's a tweet and it says, what if the top donors to every president were Muslim? The media was owned by Muslim families with Muslim journalists, Muslim organisations had our congressmen on direct dial and every politician travelled to Mecca to bow before it. Would there be any doubt about who is running your country? But I want to swap that word and say Jewish or Jew. That's my conspiracy theory. Happens with Mecca as well. Who? Like, I don't remember seeing it's any, like... like out of the woodwork. Are you kidding me? I'll pull up, like, 20 LGBT... I'll pull up 20 Islamic LGBTIQ plus organisations... That are in Australia, UK, Canada, America, Germany, France, the list goes on. They're all there. They've been there for so ages. Who, what do you mean? Communism LGBT and Islam. Islam. Is there such a There's thing? A, communism and Islam, they're very, very, very compatible. And it just seems strange that there would be these Islamic LGBTIQ organizations that exist in the Western world. <clears throat> Knowing full well, like, even if someone doesn't have a deep, intricate knowledge of the Quran or the Hadith, for that matter, I think most people that even have, like, the most rudimentary understanding of Islam is that, like, LGBT is, like, off limits. 
like do not touch, yeah, do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars. Okay. So Fozzy. Mm. So 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 Fozzy, is the conspiracy theory that somehow the left seem to think that the alphabet community is compatible with Islam and they won't get a rooftop party thrown for Correct. them? Well, they don't know any better. How are they meant to? They, they just see the commonalities between their communist mindset that they've been indoctrinated into and the quasi-communist framework that Islam like applies its, its doctrine to. So there's a correlation between them. They seem to mesh very, very well together. Strangely, I don't know why that is the case. But when I see these organised, and I'm not defending the Jewish people, like just FYI, I actually don't like either religion as far as I'm concerned. This is just my personal opinion. I don't like either side. I think both sides have got a lot of fucking questions to answer for, irrespective. But I just find it a bit strange. That like you would have these organisations. Do you reckon it's because um, prominent Islamic countries still have a kingdom? Oh, I just think that I think they're taking the piss when it comes to the nature of oil, and they're taking the piss out. Yeah. They're taking the piss out of like the entire world population, and genuinely making organisations and kids and people genuinely But that's believe. at the behest of America. So, uh, you, you know. could say that. You could say that, but I think it's beyond America now. I think once upon a time you're probably and right. Which, which one of our world leaders, I can't remember and I don't probably know, mm. has gone to Mecca? Like it's not like as a requirement yeah. that all the world, world leaders go to Mecca. I'll go to fucking chat GPT and we'll find out just to fucking hot me. I'll go chat GPT 4 and I'll find out a fucking hot me. And especially if an American or an Australian, like someone Western world, I want to know if they have gone to Mecca and not necessarily kissed the wall, but I guess walked around the cube. I don't I, know what that Mecca. I see what I see what you're coming from, Teresa. And I also see it from from yeah. Foxy's side of thing. It seems to be more like NGOs, big corporations who have like a social credit. Um, kind of score they need to meet. They have to pander to what you would seem to be left-wing ideology, which these you know, communist Antifa kids tend to be. And unfortunately, a lot of the alphabet community fall into that subgroup. So I can see that side of things. But the the point you made where it's um, if your prominent world leaders all went to one place and kind of pledged allegiance to one group, let's just say it's Sweden. Let's pretend every major prime minister... Um, every major American politician, leader, um, senator, they all went to, say, Sweden and they went to the centre um, for the, the palace and they put their hand on the palace wall and they pledged to that. You'd have some questions about Sweden possibly having some undue control, wouldn't you? That's the, what you're kind of hinting at, isn't it, Theresa? Yeah. But with, a, know, but with like, a different nation state. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that they all go to Israel or all go to Mecca, but they imagine all our world leaders are going to one specific place and pledging allegiance to that one specific place. Would that not be a freaking conspiracy theory? Yeah, well, this is where you get into it. Some people would go along the lines of saying that it's because these Western nations are even though they claim to be secular, have a basis in um, Judeo-Christianity or Christianity and that part of the world being 
the the birthplace for Abrahamic religions. That would be the reason why. But there's definitely some uh, some more geopolitical stuff going on there. I dare say. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, this spans countries. Let's go jump in. Sorry, guys. Guys, you know, you get the impression that uh, you know these very like I love it when Fozzie brought uh, who, who brought up the oil. I think it was either. Yeah, Fozzie. Yeah, yeah, the oil. Oh. Um, yeah, so they they get wealthy off oil, and other people get wealthy off diamonds. Other people with you know all these mines, and now they got the tech industry and all that sort of jazz. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I I just had this picture, this image in my head of all these very 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 wealthy people um, at a dinner party talking about or bragging about what they did today. <laughs> And how they sort of disrupted the way of life of just normal people, you know, they get a kick out of it and all that sort of shit. And you can probably see that. You can definitely see that's happening. Um, yeah, and they, they fucking love it. They love it. And well, that's right. And, and let's not forget that it was only a, you know, a few hundred years ago that you know, they not even that, a couple of hundred years, maybe a hundred years, you know, kings and queens were fighting for, you know, more land and um, more of this, more of that. You know, they set themselves up. Uh, so they were fighting against each other. So you can definitely see that they still hold those old values and shit like that, 100%, you know. And they get a kick out of... Uh, um, uh, annoying us <laughs> for sure. So I've got a quick question for the room. Speaking about oil, because Fozzie just gave me an absolute mind melt because he's gone into twelve different conspiracies like a scattergun approach without realizing it. I want to see some interaction from the room on this. Thumbs up as a yes, thumbs down as a no. Have you heard the conspiracy theory that oil is the lifeblood of the earth and reconstitutes itself and doesn't actually disappear? Let's see what the room's got to say. Come on, guys, get into it. There we go. Yeah, so apparently this this theory has been going around for quite a while now. The idea that oil uh, isn't a, a resource that will disappear time, that there's a fear-mongering around scarcity of oil when there's been oil reserves that have been tapped multiple times, uh, when they go back to it, they can tap it again. So it's not actually gone. For whatever reason, there might be bigger reservoirs underneath, but it appears that in some cases there's a bit of evidence to show that oil tends to come back over time if you leave it alone, like at a resource that can be uh, continually reused. It's like the the burn-off of what maybe, I don't know if everyone's still, you know, another big theory is that the, the centre of the earth is hollow. Um, you know, I'm not sure, but if you go with the old sort of suggestion that it, it, it is like lava all through in the middle of the earth, maybe it's melting a point, you get that boiling point, so everything comes down, sort of gets heated and cooked, and then it sort of rises again because heat rises, steam. In a, in a more of a condensed way, I don't know, but and then I just popped in. What's your wildest conspiracy theory? That's probably it there. The, 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 there's the center of the earth, hollow. 
So the old Admiral Bird going into the center of the earth in his plane, discovering that it was hollow, that type of stuff? Yeah, I haven't really looked too much into it, mate, to be honest with you. Uh, that's something that's... What if I told you, Skull, what if I told you there's not an iron core in the middle of the earth and the, the entire theory on the electromagnetic sphere is like missing an entire mathematical component, which builds up the entirety of understanding and is my personal opinion and this is just from the research i've done at least in the field of geology i've and i've done some math i've never had it like confirmed with some professional you know x y and c at harvard university or anything like that but i have a suspicion that the upward estimates of like 66 percent quartzite in the earth's upper crust in the lithosphere is actually playing like a significant role in the sort of um energetic exchange between the planet and the outside forces permeating inwards because i mean i think everyone at least knows from a general understanding about like what tesla had said and a few other people you know about how like everything is just like vibration everything is just like electromagnetic electromagnetism it's all vibration it's all frequency la 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 that extends into piezoelectricity as well um <clears throat> and it's one of the realm of possibility that the in the center of the earth is an enormous molten iron core however anything under like two kilometers deep no one fucking has a clue everything from that point onwards is just pure speculation and pure theory and there is elements that present themselves in the real world that you can begin to like formulate an idea in your mind about like what's actually taking place on sort of like macro scale um like sort of uh, uh macro scale um ecosystems uh however when it does come to the nature of like what's below the earth's lithosphere at least from standard modern action no one has a clue it's all pure speculative that's it, Fozzie, a good point. Before we jump to Teresa, I'd just like to point out that majority of science, majority of medical industry, everything that we, we hold so sacred was all based on a theory. Very little of it is proven completely factual because science is just understanding the world with your current level of, um, of knowledge and what you've got at hand at the moment to prove your hypothesis. So there's many aspects of the world that we have great theories on that have some great uh, evidence at this point, but it's not proof. And the way that our the core of our planet, that was a great example because no one's actually been there. Um, no one's been to the centre of the Earth. We don't know if it's, if it's magma or if it's a piece of... Um, metal that's spinning around creating that 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 magnetic field we just don't know it's a lot of theories uh and theories generally uh are pushed by academia and science unfortunately only changes one death at a time the old guard kind of has to go out for any new ideas to even be considered and jump to you Teresa. okay mine kind of leads on to that where we know nothing about the earth or not very much but mine leans towards the Antarctica Treaty and uh, the fact that for people that don't know what that is, it's a treaty signed by all the countries to say that they'll never, what is it, never go past 
or can visit Antarctica basically. No one can go and explore there or travel there. There are some people that are there on um, expeditions, but there's this, it's just really weird that every country will sign this treaty to say we all agree about this one thing and it's got to do with Antarctica. And I was like, well, then if the world can agree on that, why do we have wars? Why do we have so many disagreements um, globally? when there is still one particular thing that they can all agree on. And it makes me wonder what's beyond that Antarctica wall. Is there more out there, more continents maybe, possibly? Well, yeah, this is the idea that uh, for whatever reason, humanity came together to sign an agreement to say that we will leave Antarctica untouched by human hands Mm. and leave it as a natural preserve it should be. Seems very uh, on the nose when we've got places like, I know, the Amazon rainforest, which is such an important thing for our planet, and other great natural things that are in our own countries, but we keep predominantly an ice place littered with penguins, to be fine. And all the scientists that go down definitely aren't studying penguin shit, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you got Elon trying to put people on Mars when it's like, we haven't covered what's on earth first or fully discovered us plebs haven't but they have not sure but i'd love to know i'm so curious about that is he is he actually is he actually sending rockets into space we don't know i don't think so i (laughs) I love i love the conversation you guys are having i just did want to chime in quickly to touch on the oil sorry if that's all right yeah yeah so uh, so you got I don't know if anyone actually said, but apparently they have discovered oil reserves on one of Saturn's moons, Titan, and oh. these reserves are larger than what we have currently on Earth. So when I, they knew that years ago, bro. They, Harold, they've, known, they've known Titans just like completely. Well, then like methane oceans, bro. Where does the methane come? Sounds from? like we better give that planet some. Yeah, it sounds then. like it. Yeah. <laughs> but, democracy well that just well that then well i actually didn't know that so that's cool so that then would answer the question that it is not it doesn't obviously come from the fossils that are in the earth um because there aren't as far as we know those fossils on saturn but then that just links to what you guys were just saying about science i mean when i grew up and i went to university we are taught it changes and it outdates itself within one to two years you know so all of this education that we're pushing onto people through the school system is completely outdated and a lot of what our parents are teaching us will also be outdated and i'm thinking specifically of dietary aspects if you think about the food pyramid carbohydrates down the bottom fats right at the top i mean in my in my opinion flip that up the other way yeah i agree oh man i've just gone to carnivore diet and it has actually done wonders in a single well Oh, yeah. <laughs> my my whole family's been doing it for for nearly well half a decade. So yeah, I've only got good things to say about it, and I've tried everything: veggie, um, vegetarian, vegan, paleo, keto. You know the six meals a day bodybuilding style. Yeah. Well, I'll put it this way, right? So the um, I think the largest. The Lyle Reserve, uh, I think it's, it was in Kuwait or is in Kuwait. Um, uh, starts with a B. Bert, Bert, Qatar. Bergen. 
Not Burger Sunday. Uh, no, no. Uh, the, it's called the Bergen Field, I believe, and it's in Kuwait. It has like a hundred million, like the res- reservoir is like a hundred million. Like what's um, one barrel's what? 16 litres, 17 litres, somewhere there. That's for like one barrel of oil. <clears throat> imagine imagine a time like this, and this is this is where like I initially draw like straight a straight line and go like, okay, please tell me how the oil was formed. All right. So it was made by fossilised plant life, fossilised aquatic life, fossilised early mammals and fossilised dinosaurs. Right. So you're telling me that like somewhere in the ballpark of millions and millions of brontosaurus, millions of Tyrannosaurus rexes, millions of X, Y, and Z dinosaurs, all the plant life, all those little, you know, those little marsupials that we all like apparently descended from, all of them, all the fish, everything got together in hot spots across the planet and all died at the same and all fossilized and decayed and decompose decomposed and decayed and fossilized at the same time and then subsequently became oil. That's what you're telling me. I know what it's the answer is for that though, Fozzie. Ready? It's actually it's really simple and you're gonna be actually kicking yourself when you realise this. It was a super spreader event and they all went oh, to a certain spot. Right. There was no masks and it was a very aggressive form of the coof and they all dropped in those yeah, isolated a- places, that's why. Yeah, it was one of um, it was it was one of those Triassic pangolins. That's what it was. So you're those telling me we're pangolins, using bro. humans to power our electricities? <laughs> Skull, have you got a have you got a have you got a voltmeter? Uh, negative. Oh, bro, they're like ten bucks. Everyone should have one. If you get one, go outside. Put your feet put your feet in the grass. Put one of the voltmeters like in the soil and then hold it with your hand and you're just like spewing like 60 volts like straight out of your body yeah man uh i just uh, yeah you were talking about that earlier and i wrote down has anyone seen that do transport electricity over hundreds or even thousands of miles um with his mate in another state doing what uh just electricity he he lit up a a a light bulb just through frequent uh, frequencies oh dead set I'll have, I'll have to get it for you. Send me that video. Do you guys know that Dr. Parkinson, that young kid with the super curly hair? That's the guy. Does all That's the guy. <laughs> yeah. So he follows me. I found him on oh, TikTok bullshit. and I found him here. Yeah. I gave him a big plug and his account blew up. Like he got like 40,000 something followers in a week, right? But it's good because people need to see his work. He's very eccentric and he's very out there, but he's so adorable and he's so smart. I, I'll find yeah, yeah. Teresa. I love it. I've I'll been following him profile. for the, I've been following him for years. Uh, not well, he got kicked off a lot of shit, didn't he? Yeah. Wait, Teresa, I'll... but yeah. you better not have accidentally suicided that boy by giving him that much attention. No. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'll post the screenshot of his of his um account in the comments so you guys can give him a follow. But he's a freaking genius. I absolutely love him. He's so not of this generation or of this world at all. Yeah, he's got perfect pitch as well. Uh, he's perfect. What pitch? Yeah, like 
the movie. Yeah, no, yeah. He could bust out a piano. Would you say it's pitch perfect? Ear. Yeah, pitch perfect, yeah. And he's so adorable. He I absolutely love him. Yeah, he's cool. I like him too. Um, yeah, he does a lot of things. And he, he's bought a house, guys, and he's done it up in – what year did he go for? He just gets – he collects everything old. So everything's old. Let me try and get him in the. He show. sounds. He sounds like a Tesla kid to me. He's probably done it all in Tesla style, nineteen twenties, New York stylings. I wonder. If... I'm guessing that it's his vibe. Yeah, his computer. His piano was nineteen thirties. Oh, so yeah. close. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's what I. Yeah, 1930s. I'm going to send him a oh, DM no. and see if he wants to. His piano was 135 years old. Yeah, that's. Do you reckon he'll be a one? Those types of people don't sleep. <laughs> well, I sent him a DM and with the link for this spaces, maybe he will like to join. He'll probably go, come on, that's not a theory. I've proven it. <laughs> and just I'll, to... I'll lose I'll lose my shit if he joins. That that'll be unreal. I don't even know <laughs> um, if he's because I've been following him for so long, I've been commenting on his on his posts on YouTube, and then he got kicked off YouTube and all that shit. Um, please feel free to join. There we go. But, Fuzzy, I like the point that you made. It was miracle stacked upon miracle for the idea of how oil was supposed to uh, Bro, it's occur. So it's so stupid. Like, but this is, this is even ridiculous. where the idea of the dinosaur fossil movement dinosaur wars as they like to call it was actually faked and done to create there's a few reasons behind that there's never there's theoretically and supposedly now i'm just using this of course there's never been a fully intact dinosaur ever discovered which i know is it's hard to do fossils are hard to make in the first place generally you have to get killed by something stomped into the mud and then a flood and um Basalt, all sorts of things, floods over the top of you and covers you, right? Miracle stacked upon miracle. So fossils are hard to make in the first place. Mm. But the idea that a lot of these fossils uh, are made in China as reproduction, so they might have, say, a single rib and a hip bone and the rest of it's reproductions from other pieces that I've found around the world, yeah. still rubs me the wrong way a little bit. There's something about it I don't think is quite accurate. Look, I don't dismiss the idea of larger animals existing, but the scale and the breadth of dinosaurs that they make out in Jurassic Park and, you know, media yeah, yeah. in general, I think is a bit beyond what really existed. Well, I can't, I can't, I mean, at least one sort of aspect of the dinosaurs, the only thing that I know is that, like, at a point recently, there was definitely an adjustment in terms of how dinosaurs looked. So I think now it's like it's sort of accepted that dinosaurs like had like like Tyrannosaurus rex like had feathers and stuff like that. But it wasn't like they were like they were giant yeah. chickens. Yeah, it was just like it was like a transitional period. However, whether China was making it or not, I don't know. But what I do know about what China does make, I don't think I don't think anyone knows this. Probably no one actually knows this in this space. This might be the this might be the first time you guys are hearing of this. China is the largest export of um, lab-grown crystals. So they use, um, how would you describe it? There's a there's so, machines. Sorry, what are they again? 
So like, you know, quartz crystals, um, uh, crystals you know, you said lapis crystals, yeah, lazuli, yeah, yeah. like anything that's like a mineral. Um, in China, there's these companies that have got these machines and these machines were, the, uh, I'm sure the name will come to me. These, these machines were originally um, used in, I mean, they're still used in labs, but they were used for pressurized heat um, to kill, uh, hard to kill bacteria on instruments. And someone figured out that you can use these same machines to grow crystals inside of them under the same conditions that they're using to kill the bacteria on medics. Um, because of the heat and the pressure and the moisture content in the air is like the perfect mix in order for crystals to grow at like an exponential rate. Um, <clears throat> so you might see like a lot of crystals that are on like the market and they'll say they're like natural quartz crystals, you know, like Alibaba and Timu and stuff like that. They're all, they're all fake. They're not on the earth. They're all grown in like the labs and it only, and it takes like someone with a keen eye to be able to like tell the difference initially. But that's what I do know that China makes. I don't know about the dinosaurs, but fuck. Yeah, supposedly ground up chicken bones are used as the medium for pouring the casts of these dinosaur bones. And you can actually look it up and buy reproductions of them. Um, and another weird thing is a lot of dinosaur bones are actually painted in, in lead-based paint, multiple layers, because they're radioactive as well. So that's an interesting mm. part. Um, as for crystals, and again, I'm scattergunning it, the idea that crystals are a much better storage device than anything we use technologically today. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of terabytes of information can be held within a crystal, opposed yep. to the silicon chips that we use today, which, of course, does use an element of um, crystalline technology. But imagine if we could just plug all our photos, all our data into a singular crystal and have it hooked up to our digital devices somehow. I see... It'll happen. We'll get a Rick and Morty special. Uh, uh, yeah, soon. I see news that uh, indicates I've, this every now and then. I've always thought that, um, you know, Darwin <clears throat> saying that uh, the place or the person? Just, uh, the person, sorry. Um, saying that people were just animals. Um, you sure we're talking about the person or the place? Because it sounds like Darwin, the place too. Because Darwin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's already he's always said that um, yeah, humans are just animals. So you know the disregard they it's it's taken this this long actually to dis disregard their beliefs. I I, um, I say to, that a lot as well. Yeah, to accept money um, and therefore slavery. It, no, I think this is entirely right because humans just want to be protected and looked after. They want easy overall. You know, I, I, I do believe we prefer pleasure over pain and that's what we move towards, right? So look at what happened during the lockdowns. The governments had the solution. They were going to protect us. They were the saviour. Most people wanted that. It's just a default reaction. Uh, humans need to eat, sleep, and really, we just want to reproduce because that's the only at the at the. If you go, if you just really keep it simple, that's the most simplest thing that we were designed to do: reproduce. So I definitely look at humans like that. 
Um, maybe it's because I grew up on a farm. <laughs> I want to push back on you, Harold. Please, go for it. Do it. <laughs> so, I'd have to find, this is a very recent study, uh, at least in the last two years. Um, I'm sure if someone chucks it in Google, I know if I chuck it in Google, I'll be able to find it. Um, but the study that was done was uh, to find out like the trigger mechanisms with respect to like the pineal gland and how the pineal gland like behaves with like the rest of like your neurological network and whatnot. Um, and during this study, they discovered that in the pineal gland is like micro quartzite crystals. Um, <clears throat> so like, yeah, there is the biological aspect where we just want to like eat, sleep and root. Um, but I think most of the planet, I, I, I think comfortably most of the planet are like spiritually inclined individuals. Yeah. Okay. Today in the Western world, we've probably got a lot more atheists than, you know, what we give ourselves credit for. Um, but generally speaking, I think for the longest span of time, at least in human history, 270,000 years at a minimum, let's say, um, has always been like we've always been very spiritually inclined and like we're always searching for that thing, whatever that might be, that's the truth, that's something within yourself, like whatever. Um, like we're not baboons and we're not chimpanzees. Like I know like, yeah, okay, genetically, we're, like we're basically chimpanzees. think humans built for more than just um for more than just eating sleep and rooting yeah i i love i love what you're saying and i i think that we're so special only animals that can actually look up for something more like that and strive for something more i think that's something entirely unique to humans and definitely what makes us special but I guarantee you there's no yeah. animals that are like, I guarantee, well, I mean, there okay. might be one animal species, but I guarantee there's probably no other animal species that look up at the stars on like a fucking crystal clear night in, you know, the middle of nowhere, like let's say rural Australia, for example, and goes like, geez, I wonder what's out there. I don't think. That's Can I bridge both your ideas? Yeah, Please. I, you're, I think you're, you're both on the, on track and I'm going to bridge them in time together nice and neatly here. We, we do want those comforts and we do want something to be safe. Like big daddy government came along and said, we're going to put you in your houses. We're going to take control. We're going to make sure COVID doesn't kill you. Essentially, that was the, the line that was peddled yeah. and people wanted that. They wanted to be safe. They didn't want to die of a respiratory illness and be in a coma and go on remdesivir, whatever. But at the same time, yes, Fozzie, we do have this spiritual idea behind us. Was it far easier for COVID to occur in Western nations because we're so much more secular now as a people? There's not as much faith and religious belief. And in some way, government has taken the role of God in society in Western nations. Therefore, the, the need for protection, we were asking our unofficial quasi-God role for that. Yes, I, I think I think I don't think you're wrong in anything you just said. Then I, I think so. Yeah, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. Because I was reading. Bro, we're magical. We're magical. We like in all our faults, in the amount of humans on the planet till this day that are a bunch of fucking morons. 
we are <laughs> like we are very special and i don't mean that to make no. fun of someone's like you know intellectual no. capacity i'm talking about you know something deeper this is what i was going to say and, and and no i think you're entirely right we are very special in that regard um but we're 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 sick right now overall especially in western society as i see us um we're disconnected from nature we're disconnected from our roots and we're sick we're distracted and we're working so hard just to survive that we are no longer pursuing those those higher those higher levels of thinking or beliefs or desires we're no longer going there and yeah i see the hundreds that's i think that's where we're at and so and that also results in people being becoming more animalistic more tribal we're seeing that as well um you know to have conversations just like this people refuse to even entertain it i mean i don't know about the the dinosaur wars that was completely new to me <laughs> but look i'm going to leave it there guys i'm going to go have my dinner it's ready um but it was really great talking to you all and i look forward to seeing another one of these up and jumping in so take care go eat that 50 yeah, kilo it, steak though. mate <laughs> it's yeah, steak don't you worry stuff, <laughs> <laughs> hey um but yeah just before yeah. you leave um it's been a it's been a controlled dumbing down in my belief yeah uh, yeah it's been planned and and well, mastered and and readjusted I... for sure <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't going to, I almost was going to bring this up, you know, how, when you look at everything that's happening, I, I, I agree too. I think to a great extent it's been planned and there's, um, there's old videos where you see CIA, a guy, I can't remember his name, but he's talking to someone in regards about the Soviet Union defeating the United States and said that he said the only way they're going to ever achieve that is culturally. Um, they'll never be able to do it with, with men or, you know, armies, traditional armies. It requires the infiltration and the, the destruction of a nation from within. And I don't think that Russia is still pursuing that. Yuri yeah, that, Bezmanov the was the, the gentleman's name, ex-KGB agent, uh, the subversion of Western democracies through socialism and communism. Yeah. Very great interview for those people who haven't seen it. Just type it into YouTube, Yuri Bezmanov interview. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. It's fucking huge. So, so that... I said that to my uncle that was in the military, and he just told me he's just a, a jealous um, Cold War sort of bloke. <laughs> well, but it's I don't think long he could be, but he may not. He still may not be. Um, militarily, the, the, the Russia was never going to take over the USA like that. And when you look at our societies now, a lot of what we're going through is also what the USSR went through, especially with the gender blending, all that sort of stuff. The Soviet Union had a lot of that. Um, everyone had to fight for the motherland. You know, they lost 25% of their population in world. So I definitely right. think um, a lot of it is coordinated. I don't know where it's coming from. That's actually a good question. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of eyes on Davos, but I don't know. I don't, no one really, really knows. Well, um, before we go to you, Skull, I'm going to float it's, an idea here. It's coming from the Dome of the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to float an idea here of something that goes back a long way, and it's based on our diet and what we perceive to be good for us. Yeah. The very first food was grain. Yes. Was essentially it's a grass that has developed into this this wonderful thing we can make breads and all sorts of things out of. You can live on it, yes. Can it feel you? Yes. Is it fundamentally good for you? No. Now, the majority of humanity it. has been fed 
via bread and grain. So much so that it's changed the structure of our jaws. Yep. Our jaws, our teeth are so different from what we used to be as ancient man. It's almost like looking at the skull of a wolf than looking at the skull of a dog. And ours has diminished so much since then. So what's it going to be like? What's the human body going to look like in another thousand years yes. with our current diets? Are we going to become the pugs <laughs> of the human race and have all we're these weird like, issues? So you're, we're going to look like a bunch of You're touching on what I've read about. I think it was the agricultural revolution that happened in, in um, Egypt when they developed farming. And some people talk about that as an absolute disaster for humanity. And interestingly, you know, a lot of Egyptians were obese. They used to mix their grain with um, sand so that it looked like they had more. So they actually had really terrible dental as well. Just some fun facts. Well, Harold, on this as well, what's the one thing in the ancient kingdoms of the world you weren't allowed to hunt on the king's land? It was game. You weren't allowed to get your own source of protein. Combine that with the modern day idea that cow farts are causing man-made <laughs> climate change, it really seems like they're trying to stop you. From so I had meat. that epiphany um, a couple of months ago. I said to my mum and dad, "I said because they live on essentially a lord's manor, they have their own game, they have their own little orchard." And I was telling them, "You are a king and a queen in this world." And obviously, this is a yeah. We're all discovering this new world, I guess. In some ways, for me, it's a bit new, and yeah, that's what we all want. That's what we're all striving for. And it's just taking us back to that ancient times in a way. Anyway, I got to go to dinner, but great conversations, guys. So take care, hey? <laughs> yes, enjoy, big fella. Take it easy, bro. And over to you, Skull. Sorry about that. I just thought I'd nah, in the holes. Nah, all good. I love it. Um... But I loved it how you also slipped in um, random de- uh, Demosphere uh, into your comment earlier. <laughs> that is that is very very uh, that is very concerning. Them using it uh, just by hearing people who have <clears throat> I actually heard someone who um, was a nurse and he purposely gave him saline instead of giving him that because what the effects were of it um but i just like uh with all this imagine like we're talking about now um how evolved maybe that we would be and i'm not talking about the darwin sort of thing i'm talking about the more spiritual side of things if the truth was told to us the truth information was freely available um and 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 we could but truly we have more good people than we have bad but the bad people seem to be the arbiters of truth and information so it, to me that just seems an imbalance in uh in all what we do Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a reminder, if anyone wants to come up and have a chat, share their thoughts on the theories we're discussing, or to give one of your own, or something crazy you've heard recently, please do pop your hand up and we'll give you a, give you a mic to share. Um, yeah, keep going. This, this is good. Like I said, there's so many conspiracy theories that kind of tie into other ones, so it seems like we're scattergun approaching it and talking about multiple things, but I'm enjoying it. What about you, Fozzie? Let's keep this going. 
the moon's entirely artificial and man-made. Fuzzy, do you know the story about how the moon got put there by, like, Lord Shiva? I don't, but please go on. This is new to me. Yeah, so that's why if you look at the picture of Shiva, he's got a moon, a crescent moon on his head. Um, oh. So the story goes that um, the, the, his wife, like, the moon Speaker. is called Chandra, right? His wife was the daughter of some king, Prajapati, right? Anyways, uh-huh. he stuffed her around, he cheated on her, or he took a second wife and really pissed and he, like, um, basically killed him. So the world was like, we can't survive without a moon. How's the water going to regulate? So Shiva took him and put him on his head. And that kind of signifies, the story's not, like, accurate, but it's to say how the moon was put in the place that it's in now. It's not necessarily wasn't part of the original universe oh, plan. In the first I mean, place. like, when it comes to nature of mythology, like, when you're talking things that are, you know, like, you know, maybe even maybe even a lot more than 10,000 years old. Yeah. Like, that that idea, like, I'm going to use, obviously, the term Chinese whispers, not knocking Chinese, but, like, that specific term. Yeah. Like, that plays to everything. That plays to story, that real, real bit of, you know, sort of warped or being conflated in a particular direction over the generations. Like, um, I do know the South the Americans there's, there's have a, a similar of, story about. The I'm moon. sure that I, I would not be surprised. Like the Sumerians had the idea of like the war of the planets, like the gods and the heavens, like colliding. You got the Kuiper Belt that like used to be a planet. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Planet like, X, anyone? <laughs> yeah, then you've got Planet X that, you know, rotates around, like, you know, circumvents the, the, the sun, whatever, like, 15 to 20,000 years. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, who knows, like, at the end of it all, like, we might just be, like, we're just passengers, like, on this big, we're basically, pass- we're just passengers on this tiny little blue ball, bro, that's being slung through the Milky Way galaxy at 100,000 kilometers an hour or whatever it is, some ludicrous speed. So it's, I don't know, but what I do know... That's about- cool that you said that, because if you, has anyone seen the the um, ending scene or the opening scenes in... Oh, no, it's the ending scene in Men in Black. Where they oh, throw the where marbles. it zooms in, yeah, yeah, yeah. It zooms out, yeah, and then they, then they throw the marbles. Well, well, that's why it's interesting when you look at it, like under the like under a microscope, like you when you like not just a regular microscope, of course, but like those electron those electron microscopes or whatever those big fuckers that like look into like the quantum world. Like it starts, you know, you start seeing things that just don't really make sense, don't really add up. Like you know, the Russian cosmonauts smashing that Sputnik into the moon and it ringing like a bell for like forty eight hours. So the distance between the moon and the the Earth comparison to the moon and the sun, and how you know the moon covers up what ninety nine point nine nine percent of like you know the sun during a during a solar eclipse and like there's there's too many coincidences. Oh, and and the actual uh the the mineral and material composites of the Earth's uh, sorry of the Moon's crust are all the same materials that comprise up I believe it's titanium. Um, well, firstly, you've you've mentioned a couple of things about the Moon that 
upon itself would almost seem like there's at least some kind of grand design, a universal creator, or that the moon was brought here artificially because it's in the perfect spot to help us with our tides, supposedly. It helps protect us from um, interstellar objects through asteroids, meteorites, that type of thing. It's it's our bodyguard. Yep, yep. The amount of heat it cops for us, it should be getting the MVP every year. Mm-hmm. So it's this miracle stacked upon miracles, its size where it is, how it's the exact same size as the sun in our sky to create eclipses. There's all this mathematical stuff going on where it either adds up to showing there's grand design in our universe, whether you want to think that's a god or something else, that's completely up to you and what your beliefs are. But uh-huh. there's so much going on that makes you think everything is done for it. Um, and what you were mentioning before about, and, and Skull brought up with the marbles, uh, the tiny little universes, there's a joke that's in the old movie Animal House where he's the professor of, of philosophy is getting stoned with the students and he says, now imagine... Underneath your fingernail, every single atom is its own tiny universe. And one of the kids says, whoa, does that mean we could be the universe under the nail of something bigger than us? And all the kids lose their mind. Wow. And the timelines are different too. They'd have to be different. Well, the timelines are different. Like our 24-hour cycle or what we perceive as a 24-hour cycle obviously revolves around the sun, but... The sun is just one star amongst a enormous constellation of stars that go, you know, at least from what our understanding of the Milky Way galaxy that goes around that. And that, when you when you blow out that to like a macro scale, that itself runs on a completely different different frame of time. And it's I don't think anyone's like figured out, you know, that that sort of idea of time because I think that's. I think because, like, the sort of, you know, scientists, the sort of physics that we work within is within, like, our sort of natural physical space. So we're sort of limited. I don't think we're limited. I think, like, science sort of limits itself in those regards. Me personally, I believe that. Um, But, yeah, like, it's definitely a different time scale, like, completely different. And apparently we used to have 13 months once upon a time, and now we've got 12 months. Saw something the other day about it. Apparently, there used to be a 13th month not that long ago. Dude, I yeah. literally recorded a podcast about this. Dead set. Yeah, this is so weird. This is what you would call a synchronicity, people. Um, we sat oh, down yes. with the new calendar guy. He's a gentleman who's been researching it for years and going back through old encyclopedias, old dictionaries, all these types of old scientific books dating back to the 1800s and the inception of when there was 10 months with the Roman calendars, and then 13 suddenly came up. And that 13th month is called Sol, S-O-L, which is a Mithraic god of the sun. So it goes in line with the rest of the uh, Romanized months names. But the interesting thing I found out about it was that on its face, the months don't make sense. September 7th. October 8, November 9, December 10, and they don't line up in that order. It's as if at some point at least the months have been jumbled up and extras have been added in a way. Yeah, so much, I think there were 28 days. Yeah, they're everything, all 20, everything was supposed days. to be solid 28 days. Imagine how easy it would be organising your bills and paying things if, we, you know, everything was 28 days. But well, that's right. That and that's what I was about. Thing. Sorry, you guys. I was just going to say that it's not just the 28 days. Humans are then in sync with the universe, especially women and their cycles. 
um, when there is a 28, where there's only 28 days every month. There is supposed to be a 13 month and Ethiopia still runs on a 13 month calendar. Their year at now is 2016. Yeah. yeah, they're like 14 years behind us, something like that. Yeah, Whoa. Ethiopia is a very, um, man, they, they were a big kingdom back in the day. There's oh, also like claims it. that Jesus um, originated or ends up there or something to do with like the Bible and Ethiopia. There's a church in Ethiopia where the Ark of the Covenant supposedly sits today. It's guarded at all times. That's just another little point. And, and, and they're, they're, they're one of the first um, countries to meet some stuff, aren't they? There are Ethiopian periods, that's correct, yes. Yeah. Um, we're getting a few more people now requesting to speak, so we might go yeah. to hands just to make yeah, it Yeah, cool. But I just wanted to uh, – oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry, Skull, <laughs> I interrupted you. <laughs> Come back. Put your hand up and come back. Steve, you're up, dodgy. Yeah. Can you hear me? Sure can, mate. Go All right. It. So you guys are talking about the calendar and the months. Well, uh, first of all, the the word month comes from moon, right? So it's 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 watching the number of moons that pass across the sky, right? And then, um, uh, uh, as uh, uh, the uh, the Caesars and the Romans, we we go by the Gregorian calendar, right? So, the month of, for example, the month of July was named after Julius Caesar. So they created a whole month for him, I think. And then, and Augustus was August. Yeah, and Augustus was August, exactly. So on and so forth. And so, and then as a computer programmer, it's really difficult to calculate time because, because there's, um, there's leap years, leap days, leap, leap seconds, uh, for example. And, but the, the funny thing is most computers keep track of time based on what's called the epoch or epoch or whatever you want to call it. And I think it started in 1970, 1969, something like. But anyway, anyway, what I was trying to say is, is that it's very difficult to calculate time exactly because it's not exactly 365 days to a year. Sometimes it's, uh, the, and that that's why they added the 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 leap years and the leap days and and things like that. But that's all I had to say. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. It was um, the Romans initially had 10 months um, and only four of those were originally named until later on they named them after prominent people, like you just said. But it really only covered the months that were outside of winter. And they used to refer to winter as the dead period uh, in which majority of farmers, the government and the army wouldn't actively do anything. They'd kind of hunker down wait for good seasons to come around, then they go and conquer the world. So there's a lot going on within the idea of what we, how we understand and track time as a human race because we've, we're only really going off a small percentage of the time that we've been around right. for as a species. September, like, sept is the seventh, right? But it's it got adjusted to, uh, what is it, the ninth month or something. So, yeah, they're out of sequence, absolutely.
Yeah, all right, cool. Uh, I remembered it. <clears throat> they change our. Uh, I said they change our natural uh, our, our um, natural behaviour in order to disrupt our frequencies, and uh, that that's a massive thing because if and this is this is what's always annoyed me is um, every time I have to you know you have to divide a month or you have to divide or. A twelve-month period, you have to divide it by four point three. Uh, uh, what is that? Or a month is four point three uh, days, weeks. Sorry, in a month, which always messed me up. I'm like, why are we gonna do that shit? Yeah, there's um, there's even the idea that the human circadian rhythm isn't set up for a twenty-four hour cycle. That we're not built to sleep for those those hours of the day and the hours of the night. It doesn't quite match up with the way that we're supposed to sleep as a species. Too. Uh, we'll go to Foz and then we'll go back to Steve. So earlier we were discussing just briefly about like climate change before we um talked about the oil, um. <clears throat> I think I think most people are in the know now, maybe not everyone, but I think most people are in the know now that the north and south magnetic poles have been gradually shifting. Um, I, I think they always gradually shift, but last like sort of three, four decades, they've, they've begun um, shifting at like an exponential rate. I believe in the... I believe in the eighties when it was first, uh, they they use like some some sort of like proto version of what is the GIRC. I think it's called the gym uh, the G, uh, geometric indicator something something rather. It's like a global platform slash program that scientists use and start mathematical equations to determine like where the north and south poles are. Um, about five years ago, four or five years ago now, um, the northern aurora lights were located in, or like were located for about a week um, in Delhi, uh, which is like, you know, like North India, like at the foothills of like the Himalayas for all intents and purposes. Um, <clears throat> and I suspect, I suspect these NGOs, World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, all these organizations are, are well are well in the know-how about what's actually taking place on like a macro scale level and are utilizing the weather pattern shifts like the climate change and the climate does change. I'm not knocking that, <clears throat> but is sort of hijacking those um those those shifts in the climate are sort of just you know making erroneous amount of money and completely change policies and stuff like that um, when it's all going to like be for naught in the end um, because when those poles do shift <clears throat> sorry when those poles do flip and they will flip and they'll probably flip in our lifetime I suspect they'll flip in our lifetime um, there there's no there's no technology there's no there's no plan in place for how to deal with a complete shift 
um, or a complete flip of the North and South Poles, because what that's going to do on an ecological scale, what that's going to do on um, a topographical scale is going to be, uh, it's going to be very intense. Um, you're going to have massive, you're going to have massive kill-offs of, of animal species. You're going to have massive die-offs of, of avian species. And they're going to all, attri- these guys are going to be like, oh, it's climate change is killing all the avian species. No, it's not. They've just lost their fucking path because the North Pole fucking went to the South and the South went to the North. Fuzzy, um, sorry, just, sorry to interrupt you, you here. No, I'm just going to jump in that um, this is a, somewhat of a theory that's put forward by quite a few people in regards to the magnetic fields, the poles you've been mentioning, and solar and grand solar maximums and how things mm-hmm. go through cycles. The idea being, and David Dubine, who's a wonderful well, she's been on the show before to speak to me about this, the idea is that the elites, the people who run the world, they have a cumulative knowledge of thousands of years, so they've tracked the cycles. They know when it's going to occur. They bring in things like climate, man-made climate change. They bring in things like natural disasters. All while they're getting themselves ready, they're building their bunkers. They try to it's, hide. That is what I was going to say. Exactly. They try to survive these cycles. The rest of us kind of go back to a Stone Age kind of presence because things have been so turned up and things aren't as the way they should be. There's mass die-offs. And they come out with the knowledge again and they set themselves up as kings, as demigods, because they've still got the technology and things that people have forgotten over time. Um, Mm. That's one of the ideas, Posse. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, it's not, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, these, these like Jeff Bezos and, you know, these Klaus Schwab characters and this, they're fucking kidding themselves, bro. If they think some underground bunker is going to fucking save them for like, what's going to come. Like they truly are kidding themselves. Like, bro, when there's, when there's a solar maximum and like left off a, uh, what is it? And CRE or whatever, um, uh, what's it bloody called? It's it's an enormous flare. It's basically like the sun. It's solar like, flare. The solar like the flare. But, correct. But even like on an even grander scale, because the planet, the planet and the the planet and the sun and the moon all play this. They play a, a greater role than like what we give credit for or like what we truly understand, and that also applies to the north and south magnetic poles. And when those flip, and as I said, they certainly will flip. And when they do, it is going to cause, it's going to cause carnage on the planet. I just, like, I don't want to, like, spout out fucking doomsday, but everything that you've ever known in terms of climate and in terms of the, the, the changing of climate and the changing of the seasons is going to completely flip. Everything that's in the north will become the south. Everything that's in the south will become the north. That in and of itself will be the trigger mechanism that will begin killing off animal species. It'll cause massive amounts of migration from animal species to completely go into places where they haven't been before. So, you know, like you might look at like um, North Africa, for example, like uh, like what, 6,000 years ago, North Africa was like a tropical jungle and now it's like a desert wasteland. Like, yeah, it was the, the food bowl of the Roman Empire. Correct. Well. Yes. Yeah, so when the magnetic poles flip, that will change as well. You will see. You will see America become very vibrant and green again. You'll see Australia probably like have a very similar effect on inland soil, like during the sort of 
um, during the colder months, there'll be a lot more rainfall, a lot more seeds will sway and it'll, you know, grow more fucking forests and grow more bushlands and stuff like that. And some animal species might even come back. You know, you never know. Like I personally think, and here's another conspiracy, Tasmanian tigers are not truly dead. And for those people who don't know Foz, you can catch him on Swanston Street with his giant piece of cardboard, The End is Nigh. Uh, wonderful guy. Throw him, throw him a few bucks and he'll give you some inside knowledge that he's been giving you tonight. Um, I agree with you, Fozzie. Maybe it's yeah. the idea of these elites think they can hide underground with their technology. And maybe it's just a numbers game. If there's 10,000 bunkers in the world and only one of lives, that's enough um, technology, enough people to kickstart a civilization all over again, almost like an Atlantis or a Hyperborea type of a deal. Um, and let's jump around to Dodger. You're a new person for the space. Your hands up. Go for it, mate. G'day, folks. Yeah, I just wanted to touch back on the uh, on the on uh, stuff because I've I've been looking at a lot of the historical stuff, and it and it all covers with the um, you know you got Darren Kuyu, I think, is one of the under deep. You know, some of these structures that the, the ancients built underground are fantastic, absolutely mind blowing. And you you still see you know, a lot of people are doing that now with um, you know even some of the the you know the mega rich and wealthy now are all building their own bunkers because you know if I have a bit of a theory about how the uh, poles shift you know and that's why I'm talking about the bunkers so the um, the pole shift I believe if if anybody's familiar with uh, Graham Hancock. Um, he's, um, he talks about the asteroid impact theory um, to do with the Younger Dryas uh, 12,500 years ago. And um, uh, it's, it's my belief that if you've got some pretty decent asteroid impacts, that's on which your planet moves. I'm not exactly sure how the, um, the magnetics work on this planet, but if you're going to shift the way the planet's moving through sheer kinetic force hitting the planet, that could be one way it comes around. I want to just quickly push back before Skull goes. So, look, there's obviously, I think there's there's been like accounts in like, the, like we're talking millions, millions, and millions, and millions, and millions of years ago about like massive asteroids obviously causing like, you know, huge die off of species, whether that's the dinosaurs or anything that's happened like since then. Um, but, Asteroids still hit the planet. Oh, sorry, like yeah, asteroids and meteors still hit the planet today. Mm. However, I think where this is my personal opinion, I think where their role sort of fold into that in terms of like the shifting and whatnot, that it wouldn't play a role in terms of the shifting of the north and south poles. I suspect what will happen. This is pure speculative. Is that when those north and south Uh, poles shift and set in place. I think the Earth's magnetic um, pull or its draw or whatever it is this field of energy that surrounds the planet, including the Moon, will be like at its weakest. Um, so any asteroids or meteors that actually come into contact with the Earth's atmosphere and begin to break off into bits and pieces, I think it'll actually like come in straight like a slug. And just hit the planet really hard, but it'll probably affect. I mean, it'll definitely affect the oceans because it's going to cause tsunamis. But I think it'll greatly affect the um, the immediate shift in the climate. 
and I think Klaus Schwab will be there to be like, it's because none of you started eating crickets. Because <laughs> you're driving around in full drives. The idea that um, Dodgy just brought up um, is a, a theory that's put down by Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson that um, at the younger driest period, there was that giant ice shelf that was across North America and Europe and that, that a meteor or some kind of interstellar object hit that part of the world um, through its heat created a flash flood event, which is the basis for the flood mythos, both in Abrahamic religions and uh, uh, previous um, pale- Paleolithic cultures as well. It seems like every culture in the world has a, a, flood, a flood mythos. Every, That's the idea where that comes bro, from. More so, Even the so. fucking Basque people of the mountains exactly. between France and Spain, bro. More so, more so um, the idea of a, a giant global catastrophe opposed to a, a pole flip. Um, definitely pole flips are a possibility. Supposedly, science has shown that it's happened before and it will happen again. Mm. Um, but the idea of the, the magnetic fields being weakened also brings into the idea that the sun itself would be more harmful to us and you would get what are called... Um, uh, it's it's, it's like, like a plasmoid lightning in which the Earth would be bombarded by huge amounts of plasma lightning which would scar the face of the planet and kill nearly everything that's on the surface. Yeah, I don't disagree with what we're saying at all. I don't um, I, I don't know. It's just a, you know, an idea that I had about that uh, subject. As I, talk, I can't remember who was talking about it before, but it was, uh, it's a subject that I've been fascinated by for the last few years. It's, it's a good one, mate. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I was thinking about uh, the, how they find shells um, in the middle of the desert and stuff like that. Like you find some pretty, you know, you know fish, sc- shells. When you dig in a hole, man, you just dig a hole and then all of a sudden there's a fucking, there's a shell there. It's pretty weird. Yeah, but Australia used to have an inland ocean once upon a time and the shells out there. I think that's a normal thing, but what about like, you know, um, Western, uh, I know Steve's had his hand up for a bit, but like, you know, you go Western, like Sahara, like Mauritania, where like the Ricard structure is, there's a volcano that's right near there. And they found like seashells and like fo- like fish bones, like on the top of these, these like, volcanoes, let alone you look at the Himalayas, like you go to the Himalayas, bro, like the peaks of the Himalayas. Um, you know, they've found fish bones and they've found shells and stuff like that as well. Uh, I think, look, I'm not going to knock, I'm not going to knock like the sort of um, upper lithosphere crust mechanisms that I think that level of geology is like settled. I don't think, I mean, there's definitely some, there's definitely some room for debate on a niche points, but I'm not going to get into them now. Um, but yeah. It's well, that's the idea put forward yeah, by yeah, science. Can I just say, um, that... someone, sorry, someone brought up uh, uh, Elon or uh, tunnels and everything like that. And is Elon trying to tell us something with uh, the space shuttles? <laughs> like, is it? Do we have to look at that as a, as like escape? Do we need to escape somewhere to survive? <laughs> What's coming? <clears throat> <laughs> Rebuild the ark skull, that's what you're saying. Um, just to finish up what Foz was saying, the mainstream hypothesis and scientific idea is that it's crustal um, f- 
fishes and force that pushes mountain ranges up and they would have been at ocean level or below the ocean at one point. Volcanoes can build islands if we see in the South Pacific today. So that's a theory as to how um, skeletons of fish and uh, shells and things like that appear there. Um, just being mindful, Steve's been a gent with his hand up, so we'll go back to Steve. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, I just wanted to say I agree with Fozzie. Um, I I grew up in Southern California, and my one of the schools I went to, when they broke uh, ground or excavated for the school, they found uh, entire intact whale bones and fossils. Okay, so that means in the Sierras that we have today, which is pretty high elevation, used to be underwater millions of years ago, right? So um, I just wanted to say that, that uh, of, of course, the, 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 the land that we're living on now used to be undersea, and some of the land that used to be above us is now undersea. Uh, that's that's pretty obvious, and uh, and somebody also mentioned circadian rhythm. I just wanted to mention that the um, Martian day is pretty damn close to ours, which is around twenty four hours. So maybe Atlantis was actually Mars, and we destroyed that planet and evacuated to Earth. So what do you think about that? That's definitely an idea that's been floated multiple times through science fiction is that we've kind of, our precursors have come from somewhere in space or Mars and then come to Earth. Uh, the, the idea is that Mars at one point was hospitable. Um, contrary to popular belief, Mars does have an atmosphere at the moment. It's just so low that it's not actually habitable for humans. Um, the idea is that we could colonise Mars and through some form of technology. One of the ideas is detonating hydro bombs at the poles would actually create a somewhat of an atmosphere somehow. I don't see how that would work, but that's one of the ideas floated. Um, I think it's a good one because it kind of provokes the idea of where's humanity come from, where are we going, what are we doing with the planet we're currently on, that type of idea. Um, just as we're talking about the, and you're talking about um, California where at one point it was below sea level and now it's not and how the geography of the world changes over time. Yes, we all agree with that. Here's a quick litmus test for the room. Who's heard of mud flood theory? Thumbs up for yes, thumbs down for no. I can't just be Teresa and Fozzy, guys. Come on. They're like preaching to the choir with me over here. Preaching These guys don't yet. know about yeah. Tartaria. Thumbs up for me. I just had to run back. I'm trying to load the truck. I've got a uh, got a tip tomorrow morning. No worries. So the the idea of mud flood often gets thrown in with Tartaria as well is that there was a worldwide, uh, not so recent, uh, not so ancient culture that was spread around the world, and through some kind of catastrophe, liquefaction event, a majority of the buildings were. Um, found under mud uh, and they used the evidence for this is a lot of the buildings in North America in particular and Europe that a lot of the street level footpaths and walkways 
they cut off windows and a lot of the buildings is actually underground. So there's a theory that supposes this event occurred and caused liquefaction event in which mud rose up and buried X amount of the buildings. So that's an idea around the, the whole how the world changes as well and what could have led to that event. That's something else that's uh, being spoken about quite a bit. And I think, I think uh, the carbon dating, like carbon dating approach is like the biggest gaff ever. Um, I think half of like the ancient megastructures are probably way, 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 way older than like what they're giving credit for. Because, you know, like they're just based on like the most rudimentary things. Like half the time archaeologists just base it on like historical record. They're like, oh, well, these people occupied this area during this day. So this building or this structure must be within this dating period. Well, Fozzie, like, here's just... my bugbear with, the, with that dating method. With the, the carbon footprint idea is that it has to be something that has elements of carbon in it. So you naturally you can't test stones. You can't test the pyramids. Correct. You can't test the structures. So what they do is they find archaeological digs around it of fireplaces, of food, of pottery that has some kind of lining and it's still the food that was eaten. So it's it's a really good guesstimate. It's a great guess at a time frame and it might put it within the ballpark, but it doesn't account for a hunter-gatherer society or people camping out near these structures hundreds of years or thousands of years after they were potentially built. Yeah, of course, bro. If there were, like, look, if there was a mud flood, and I suspect there was, um, you know, whether this happened sort of um, at the end of the Younger Dryas or, like, during the last, like, sort of 6,000 years or so is, is obviously up for debate. But whatever the, whatever the case may be, if there was some, if there was some megastructure that was buried, or like the majority of it, let's say, was buried for a really long time, and then all of a sudden, like you know, some migrating people come out of nowhere and they see this, um, as if you're not going to set up a camp right next to that site, like as if you're not going to use that as like some points if you have to come back. You know how people use like those guide stones and stuff in like the British Isles and shit for like navigating around the land and whatnot. Like, apply that. Like, there's campfires around those things. There's campfires there everywhere. And you're right. Like, they use the most rudimentary examples for getting carbon to base these, like, historical periods. And then you go and look at some of the mechanisms that go in these things that built, bro. And I'm telling you, man, like, there's just too much... Well, I'm just going to say it. There's too much fuckery afoot when it comes to the nature of, like, how X, Y, and Z were built. And it's just, yeah, it just leaves, like, the mind open to wander, I guess. Absolutely. Before we jump to Elena, I'll just got to finish this off as well, that the idea that everyone had to have built the things that are living around them, like the idea that the Egyptians built the pyramids, that's actually a really big theory because they don't have any proof the Egyptians actually built them. There's a hypothesis that the Egyptians just moved in. Could you imagine being a less sophisticated people and, you arrive and there's these massive temples that are already built. You won't knock them down. You won't go build a stick hut somewhere else. You just move right, go over someone else's apartment. You take it for what it was. And the evidence in that is that the earlier period kingdoms had a higher technological and archa standard than the later periods. It's almost as if the people that moved in tried to copy the architecture and the engineering and they couldn't quite master it. They couldn't pull it off. Uh, Alina, I'll go to you. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm just seeing um, your title, What's Your Wild Conspiracy Theory? 
Well, I've always heard about the blue kachina. Some people call it Nibiru. There's also the red kachina. Just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Do you guys think that would be coming in a couple years? Uh, so this is the idea of Planet X and Nibiru type of thing with the Anunnaki, correct? Yes. Yeah, there's a, a, a lot on that, um, especially the idea that the Sumerians as a people were were created. Um, it's, it's quite interesting that the word Adam and Adamu, which is a Sumerian word for man, is very close to Adam to what we have in the biblical Bible. So the Zachariah Sitchin hypothesis based off the cuneiform text tablets that were found is that an alien race from Nibiru came to Earth, mined gold. Um, they found that the work was far too hard and they didn't want to do it. So the miners kind of revolted against the, the overlords and they wanted a slave race made. So they used the archaic humans of the time, crossed their DNA with those to create a smarter yet dumb enough people to control. And for whatever reason, the, the, um, the Nibiru left. Um, they say it was due to a civil war, that, that some of them hated the way that humans were being treated and they felt sorry for us. And they've disappeared. And this planet supposedly has a, I think it's a 6,500-year elliptical orbit with our solar system. And then it will return, when it does return, it will cause all kinds of natural disasters with Earth, our um, gravitational field and everything that goes along with it. Uh, we'll go to uh, Shell. You haven't had your head. Hey, sorry. Just um, I, I love the conversation. I want to get into some of this with you, but just on the, the Zachary Sitchin stuff, um, I just want to mention that his that there haven't no, there's never been a corroboration on his um, on his translations, uh, the text that he talks about. Um, nobody's able to actually find the text he's mentioned. Absolutely, he has a lot of <laughs> translational errors in his work. Um, I think the basis of what he talks about. A lot of the creation myths around it seem to line up with a lot of other cultures in the area of similar or later time periods. So that probably gives it a little bit of credence. But the idea of um, intervening aliens could easily be transferred as gods or something else. So, yeah, definitely, mate, he's hasn't been quite corroborated. It's just one man's interpretation and translation of those texts. It's always something to be mindful of. Uh, cross your... Eyes and don't you do your research, guys, because you don't want to be caught with your pants down with something that could be easily disproven. Jumping to uh, go back to Dodgy and then Steve. Yeah, I'd just like to get on board with that Anunnaki story. It's um, it's really interesting. It, a lot of it seems to, to line up. I'm not saying you know, 100%, but some of the things with the Anunnaki. Um, line up with the historical events and if you have a look at Graham Hancock's work he goes into how there's been probably multiple asteroid impacts and somebody was saying much earlier in the conversation about how the top of Africa was once green and lush and fertile and there was a massive lake there called Lake Megachad it was the biggest lake on the planet at the time um, from my understanding um, Twelve and a half thousand years ago, because if you look uh, at the work that uh, Robert Schock did on the surround of this Sphinx in Giza, 
it, you know, it, it could be at least 12,500 years old. It's in that period. He's, he, he did say something a little more definite, but I can't remember the exact numbers. The, um, and that was based off erosion, wasn't it, Dodgy? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really upset the apple cart, didn't it? And, 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 and in, 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 in retrospect, in retrospect, I'd like to actually add that, you know, I believe the Anunnaki story over, you know, Virgin gave birth to the Messiah. Well, that's the interesting thing. A lot of the, the Anunnaki or Sumerian uh, creation stories actually line up with um, Judeo-Christianity, like the Adamu, the first man, um, the Nephilim, the ideas of these half-breeds that became the rulers and kings of mankind. A parallels not just with the Sumerians, but with really a lot of the creation stories across the world. So there seems to be almost like a shared consciousness of where humanity came from. And for whatever reason, throughout time, we've added our own little cultural and ethnic kind of twists to it. But there seems to be a root of a truth or a shared memory in all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, if you if you hear you know, Graham Hancock describe it, he he says that you know um, existence, you know, like uh, complex forms of you know government and 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 trade and all that sort of thing just exploded you know in a certain period of time and there was no record of it before that like there was there was people like the denisovans and oh, i can't really go into that right now because i don't have uh, any literature in front of me but the um yeah the, the anarchy creation myths do tend to line up with a lot of things and if you look at all the ancient megalithic structures they all line up with solstices um, you know, and they have multiple functions and they're still trying to work out what they do. I'm sure they are, but I, I don't believe that we're, I think we're 2.0 of what was here before. And, you know, if you, if you, I'm not into the Bible or anything like that, but if you hear some of these things, they say, um, there were giants on the earth in those days and after that. And I believe that in the film with the with the giants, and they were probably the the ones that built these structures. That's that's my guesswork only. Um, rank amateur. Thanks. No worries, Dodgy. Thanks for speaking. I do see that we have Preston, Nick, DM. I see you're in the space, Lyra, Wheezy. If you've got a conspiracy theory. Jump in and join the conversation, guys. You can't get away. We're just hanging out and listening. Need your input. Come on. Try to Steve while we're waiting. Hey, you're missing. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate uh, your rapid fire uh, format. It's very cool. And also, uh, you you seem to have a, a good a good knowledge of a lot of this stuff. I appreciate that. So thank you. I, I just wanted to say regarding uh, the Planet X Nibiru theory, um, I, man, I'm showing my age here, but I've been on message boards since the 1990s. And I remember everybody back then was telling us it was incoming, it's it's happening, it's, it's going to be here next year, next year, next year. And, you know, never really materialized. So... 
I just wanted to say, you know, some of that, it, it has its basis in history and some of it's, it has basis in, in science fact, right? There, there, it, there are objects out there in the outer solar system that are perturbing the orb, orbits of the planets, right? Um, and um, some of them are undiscovered. So, but, but some of the, the doom and gloom that, that people keep talking about, how it's, it's incoming, man, I've been hearing that since like the early 1990s. So got to take it with a grain of salt on some of that. That's all. Thank you. Absolutely, mate. The doom and gloom seems to come around every decade or so. Every generation seems to think they're living in the end times and reason a lot of information for them stacks up that that's the time and they're the generation and everyone kind of lives through that. Uh, we'll go to Shelby. So I, I wanted to, so um, <clears throat> just it's, it's related to what you guys were talking about, but also, uh, you know, throwing out crazy conspiracy theories. Um, so uh, are, is anybody here familiar with like the Mahabharata and, you know, how it, like a lot of the ancient epics from India uh, discuss Vaimanas, um, uh, extremely powerful weapons, um, space travel, <laughs> uh, a variety of things. Um, and then, you know, uh, evidence um, like Sodenjadaro, which a lot of people have suggested may be evidence of ancient nuclear warfare. Um, and like I worked on a, TV, I, a documentary series for the last few years, we found uh, other cities, um, like several other cities that were melted. <laughs> and well, like, Shelby, sorry to interrupt you here, but you're yeah. actually going to love this because we have a resident two experts, really. We've got a man who has an absolute love for the subcontinent who's just got back from India. And we've also got our resident Aussie Indian, Teresa, who can talk to that. So if you've got any specific questions, I'd be uh, posing it towards Teresa of Aussie. Um, so hey, yeah. So 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 what what is what is the uh, what is the rooms read on on that side? Because I think like when when it comes to like we were talking about Zechariah Sitchin, for example, and things, and I think um, a lot of the Mesopotamian stuff, uh, they don't have a lot of really large epics. Um, a lot of the the tablets are about like um, like record keeping of like how much grain was sold on Tuesday and stuff. <laughs> And, and some poetry, but it's it's not uh, it's not as extensive as stuff like the um, like like what you get with the Mahabharata, which is a super massive text that covers a lot of territory. Um, and 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 I think okay, so uh, um, what appears to be the case from from my perspective is uh, is that there was a very like when we're looking for a lot of advanced societies, you know, the early the the easiest one we can get access to historically, I think, is is ancient India, um, because the texts were have not really been destroyed, and uh, and the influence that Indi ancient India would have had in like the late Harappan period was super massive. Like like they had dry docks that could build boats the size of a football field. So so you're looking at a, a society who is, I mean, the, the Mahabharata, for example, talks extensively about you know trade by ships. Um, and, and all that ended really fast one day when the river dried up. Um, 
but you know that coincides with the old kingdom in egypt like a lot of the big mysteries we're talking about like can be very easily explained with uh a vast shipping network going out of gujarat in india um just wanted to throw that out as like a a a possible avenue of of looking into some some fairly crazy conspiracy theories around you know has um has the west um and western governments covered up for example a lot uh and suppressed archaeology oh, and things like that fuck yeah they have bro the british get the fuck out of here bro you don't take 42 trillion dollars worth of gold and not also take like ancient fucking relics ancient pieces of artwork tools stuff like that you're not just taking the gold bro and man let me tell you i'm so i i spent a lot of time i haven't seen them all there's one in gujarat that i'm going to go see on the next run because i'm going to go to dollar vera which is like near Dwarka, um and a few other places but i spent a lot of time at the k like a bunch of like the rock cut caves in Mah- uh, in maharashtra um oh that's awesome and- I literally my buddy's filming there right now for our show yeah <laughs> oh, oh dude he dude i think he bumped into one of my mates that i met at a fucking hostel he was telling me there was a guy that was recording at one of the caves that he went to oh it was probably him um that's quite possible <laughs> yeah we, dude i, I went around to all these locations but uh, yeah go ahead <laughs> i'm i'm adamant and this is just like so i went to Alora, saw maybe in total 10 of like the 109 caves but then i explored up on the mountain above kailasa and went like me me and my partner her and i we walked fuck man like a kilometer inwards and there's more caves and there's more lingams everywhere and out of all the places that i've seen so far like i'm adamant yeah i'm adamant that that land, what traditionally is called Bharat, where everyone knows it as India, is so ancient that I think it even spans into pre-time. I personally believe from everything I've seen in these caves where these where these stupas are that are all made out of granite, bear in mind, and granite is a quartz material that generally has around like 40% quartzite flecking through it, is that in... And obviously there's a big reference in terms of like ice. I mean, Shiva's obviously like, you know, sort of has a correlation with Kailash, uh, Kailash Mountain in, in the Himalayas and stuff like that. Um, I personally believe that in pre-time, whatever civilization existed in Bharat, which includes the Indus Valley and which includes um, Pakistan today, which includes Afghanistan all the way down to where the Sabaeans were, which is like all the way southern, southwestern Arabia, because Buddhism has been found there, like statues and stuff like that, is that <clears throat> all these lingams, the Shiva lingams and Buddhist, so the stupas are markers for underground aquifers. Every single cave that I've been to all has underground natural aquifers. All the Shiva lingams seem to cover where these aquifers were. I suspect that in pre-time, sort of end of the Holocene, uh, sorry, end of the Pleistocene or leading into the ends of the Pleistocene, into the beginning of the Younger Dryas and maybe halfway into or towards the end of the Younger Dryas, is that humanity was utilising Earth's natural minerals for producing electricity. 
So ice and granite would have combined together would have a compressing effect, which would cause mechanical stress. And when you cause mechanical stress on composite materials that have quartzite crystal or quartzite crystal itself, it's going to generate electricity. That's my suspicion. That's my theory. No one else fucking take it. I'll slap you. Oh, I love that. I'll throw, throw something towards that too. Because if, okay, if you look at Shiva Lingams, right, um, you'll have water dripping onto the lingam, uh, often through a copper coiled serpent. Um, and and then flowing out, creating like a, a very obvious piezoelectric effect, um, possibly a very, very strong electrostatic effect that can like, you can amplify it enough to get, you know, a spark or, uh, you know, usable electricity essentially. Um, but yeah, I love, I love it, man. I'd love, love to talk outside of the space too. Uh, with anybody yeah, yeah. Who has I'm, I'm going to go back because I'm going to go back bro. I've took I've taken so much fun. like even the construction works that have been done like the first place I went to like I don't want to hog the mic but the first place I went to was the Pandalav Lenny caves in Nasik I didn't know what oh to wow expect. you went to Pandalav Lenny okay yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to expect there bro I truly didn't like I had a friend of mine he's on Twitter his name's Radek he said, he, like, when I was in Nasik, because him and me and a friend of ours who went to the Trimbakeshwar Jotaling, and that itself was a fucking wild place to experience. There's an energy there that is, like, unforeseen. But when I went to the Nasik caves, I went to the first cave, which is all, like, rock cut, all carved out, all got those same markers that you see in Egypt and you see in, like, Iraq and you see in China where it's all, like, downward cutting of all the rock. But in the first room, there's actual, there's bore drill marks, like high, high revolution bore drill marks that are as old as the rest of the rock. And I'm looking at this, I didn't even realize it would be in there because on Wikipedia, like there's no photos of this stuff. So when I went there and I saw this, I'm like, I sat in that room for 15 minutes fucking sitting there meditating like some fucking monk until I walked out and then I saw it on the wall and I'm like, oh my God. So then I started looking at all the caves and I'm seeing I'm seeing certain signs of like what would be seen as modern construction in a really ancient time. So at these at most of the caves I've been to, you'll see these like square marks that have been like imprinted on the walls. And then you have what where the rock will essentially cut out, which looks like hooks or loops. Um in modern construction for like removal, or not in construction, actually in demolition. For the removal of large rocks, it's called um, bolting and anchoring systems. So a bolt will go into the rock. It'll generally have like a grout plate that's connected to it that sits on the rock. And then on that rock, they'll generally carve out um, a loop, allows them to thread in like a steel hook that's obviously connected chain. And then through both mechanisms, they're able to haul like, like tonnages of rock in a, in, a, in a relatively easy manner. These are littered over every single cave I've been to, except the Mahakali Cave in Mumbai, but even the caves at um, Kailasa Temple and the Ellora Complex, even just in the actual complex of Kailasa Temple, you've got the same stuff everywhere. And I genuinely believe that whoever built these built every single one of them. And not just that, when I went to the Kala Caves, 
I ended up having a conversation and this guy was sitting like halfway up because it's like 400 steps to get up this hill. It's like an enormous venture to get up there. Halfway up, some random bloke spots me and my partner walking up these staircases. Turns out he's an ex-MLA member. An MLA member is like someone that's like very, very high up in like the Indian government, like in terms of like implementing policies and stuff like that. And I I went and did darshan with him in this and that, like got all blessings so I could go and access the site. He let me access everything as much as I wanted with my camera, like no one else was allowed. And what he told me was shocking. He said to me that this temple, this these caves were shown in a dream to the Pandavas and the Pandavas are in the Mahabharat. So if anyone knows the Mahabharat, the Pandavas are like a band of brothers um yeah no that's so that's so so yeah the, uh, i mean i'm very if you can message me about this because i haven't been to this yeah location. yeah no, dude, because it's um wild, and bro. it's fucking wild man we might want to buy some footage off you possibly because we have I, <laughs> yeah we're, 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 who are the heck are trying to like you don't need to buy me footage who? off me all of them just pay for my fucking travel i'll record everything you want tell me just about the, uh, just, tell me just about the keep going on with that conversation yeah, yeah, so 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 according according to him and the locals, so at these caves, at the Kala Caves, there's a Hindu temple that's right at the front of the Kala Caves, and that temple is uh, that temple worships a particular feminine deity. I couldn't tell you the name of it off the top of my head, but that deity supposedly, show, according to him and according to all the locals around the Kala Caves, showed the Pandavas where these caves were and told these the Pandavas to go and restore and protect them. So across all the caves that I've been to, there's two stages of construction. And these first stages of construction, it's basalt and granite everywhere. Carvings that are so fucking pristine, half the sites, the actual sculptures or Hindi or Sanskrit actually is murti, which means like, um, you know, image of, uh, they've got quartzite crystals running through all these sculptures across across the Kala Caves, across the Baja Caves, the Arangabad Caves, the Alora Caves, the, the, the Canary Caves in North Mumbai and the Canary State Forest. They've all got the same hallmarkings of whoever built them, clearly the same people, down to the actual architectural designs of how the caves or the actual temples are cut in terms of their layerings, in terms of the positionings of their rooms and everything. It's fucking wild to see, man. I genuinely believe these things are from pre-time, without doubt. Right. Fuzzy, I need guys, you to take a breath, my friend. Pictures, I know, sorry, I had to get it off my chest. It's been a while. you got to save, save that voice. Save it for this conversation. Shall and while we're taking a short break... I'll just like to make a quick shameless plug. If you would like to hear more about the theological, spiritual, and historical implications of India <laughs> with Fozzie's journey, you can hear about that next week on a podcast called You're Missing the Point, where Fozzie and I will be discussing his journey through India and comparing theological and religious contexts. Uh, I've popped my link to the podcast up in the Jumbo Trip. If you've enjoyed this conversation so far, Go and give me a follow. You won't be disappointed. Great conversations there. All sorts of things with people from all over the world. And now that Fozzie's had a bit of a rest, we definitely need to go to our Indian in the room. Not typecasting her at all, but she does have the inside knowledge. Teresa, Guys, what's I'm your only take half on this? Indian, all right? She's I'm a coconut, bro. 
<laughs> but um, everything Fozzie was saying was like, I've been to pretty much all those temples and caves. And he's right. They are all built by the same person. The interesting thing about Alora being that it was built from top down. So it was like they carved out a freaking mountain from and built everything like it's so surreal for our brain to try and figure out how they did it i still don't know how they did it but it's literally from top to bottom and i've got pictures of it if shelby wants to see it um i spent two days there because it was so mind-blowing and it's like laser cut into granite how they definitely had technology um that we don't have um even when you mentioned the mahabark um so the technology they had, which they called mantras, which would create weapons like brahmastras or lasers or um, even nuclear war. That, that Mahabharata means war. So that whole book is about a war. And the technology where did Oppenheimer back then. Where did Oppenheimer get his nuclear his Exactly. Nuclear he got it from the Vedas. It even said it in the movie. He got it from the Vedas. Or well, even but, the floating cities, um, what they called the Vimana. Yeah. Was that yeah. the floating cities? A Vimana is a floating vehicle, um, but the cities are depicted as floating as well. So a Vimana is like any, what we would call, I guess, a flying saucer or a UFO or something like that. That's pretty much a vehicle of movement that is floating, basically. Um, but the one interesting thing is if you look at some of the prominent Indian temples from an aerial view, they resemble a power station and even a motherboard of a computer. Um, it's, it's so crazy to think what technology did they have and how did they power everything and how did they create everything literally hundreds of, I think, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Um, we don't have it today. And it's the same with Tartaria. We don't have any of that technology today. But Teresa, could have been... Books, could it have been powered on chicken vindaloo? Possibly. Or what's what do white people like? Lamb, Rogan, Josh or something? Butter no, chicken, butter mate. Chicken. It's Anglo Butter specialty. chicken, that's butter right. Chicken. Sorry. I don't eat the white Indian food. I eat the real Indian food. <laughs> butter pop. <laughs> yeah. I actually just made a sack of roti whilst you guys are talking and chicken curry. Yeah. <laughs> So the technology back then was insane and I wish that we could harness it, but I don't think we'll ever be allowed to as humans to recreate it. I just want to touch on one point with Shelby and the Shivalingams. Um, I don't know if you realise, but the three gods, are they're depicted as Brahma, Vishnu, um, Shiva, but it's proton, neutron, and electron. It, they put a human form to something that's scientific. And when you mentioned about the water dropping on shivering through a copper device it's got to do with shiver being the new, neutron there's a scientific explanation i'll talk to you offline about it but there is a reason why they drop water on it and there's heaps of people when i was there at a couple of the caves this was at the the baja caves and when i went to rani kivau in Patan in gujarat i too said this to me now is that they reference um brahma uh, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva as generator, operator, destroyer, and apparently, like that's like represents God. Like uh, I don't know, but from what I've seen, it's Vishnu, creation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Vishnu is. It's interesting because Vishnu is supposed to represent like like the fundamentals of life and the sort of um 
what do you call it? The preservation, preservation. of life. Yeah. But all these caves, every single one of these caves has either Buddha or Vishnu. And Buddha and Vishnu are interchangeable in Shaivite Hinduism. Like they see like Buddha as Vishnu and Vishnu as Buddha. And all of these caves have got Vishnu or Buddha. And I look at it as like, okay, well, Vishnu slash Buddha. And not the person, but the theological aspect of it is like a representative of water. And it just seems Actually, like, to me, that's Posse, what it seems like. What about the whole thing about Vishnu being, I don't know if you guys know, but Vishnu is like one of the gods that every time he comes back to Earth to rebalance everything because Earth goes out of whack, whereas either yes. people are going too evil or people are going too crazy and then he comes down to Earth and balances yeah. everything back to normal. So there is a very right. strong belief in our religion that um, when Vishnu came down to earth as Krishna, because he takes on different forms every time, um, there's a very strong belief of a correlation between Krishna and Jesus. Um, oh, yeah. Fuck. Uh, We've got hands. Well, he totally went to India. He had to have gone. Like, he is. Yeah, like, the, but... the, the, the batting is, is in, that's an Indian thing, right? Like, it's not a Hello, Jewish everyone. Thing, like... Oh, Hello. The fuck did I do to? I'm sorry, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Sorry. <laughs> Stop so, yeah. muting me. Um, um. Okay, I'm gonna go on mute because all. That's all right. Problem, problem solved. All done. Pulled a rank on but... that one. <laughs> Mashallah. That connection, though, between uh, Jesus and Vishnu, like so, so it, yeah. In Hindu philosophy, Vishnu is always sort of incarnating as a variety of beings yeah. to, as you said like bring balance back and that's and so why that's why rama krishna no problem with krishna with jesus that is why hindus love jesus and have no problem with him because he is very similar if not the same as krishna he's a yeah, pretty he's cool guy what can i say yeah and tibetan buddhists believe he uh he didn't die um on the cross either there yeah, are actually uh, hand casts and foot casts in Tibet that show hands and feet with piercings through the centre, which is supposedly a religious relic of uh, the risen again Christ who visited there after being uh, crucified. And Ahmadiyya Muslims, so it's like a, it's like a very small sect of Islam. It generally comes out of Afghanistan. Um, they themselves, like, I mean, like, you know, Shia and Sunni Muslims, like, don't even recognize them as, like, legitimate Muslims because they don't believe in the Hadiths. But anyway, um, they, they themselves, like, even believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross, that Jesus actually died in, um, or was buried in Kashmir. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's a temple in Kashmir, I think it's in Jammu, actually. Um, that's supposedly the resting place uh, of of Jesus, and that um, Judas ah. actually was the one that went up on the cross as like as a way to redeem himself for betraying Jesus. And Kashmir is a very disputed region in that part it's of the world, also. Mm, just like another we, religious holy land. We had skull, and then Steve's hand was up. Steve, sorry, you yes. put your hand down. Yes, yeah, skull's arm's gonna fall off because I think he's just Go got skull, it up there for sorry. so long. Sorry, skull. They kind of hijacked that. They got stuck into it. But go for it, mate. Oh, all good. I've got about three pages of notes, but I'm not going to read them all out. I just read the ones I was, <laughs> I was thinking about. You know, like, uh, all, this conversation reminds me of, like, Star Wars, when they're planning the attacks in 
in caves, but with better technology and sort of stuff. Um, you know, but then uh, I'll read this other one out. Like, Foz, uh, no, sorry, you're missing the point. You, you mentioned earlier that um, that people um, they think that they're gonna they're gonna experience the the end of the world, um, and this happens quite a lot, obviously. But maybe we might be at the start of it. Uh, we're either at the start of it or I don't think we're at the end of it, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, maybe, As in, maybe, do you mean we're, we're at the start of the end or we're... Yeah, the start of the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just with what's happening around. Um, we are, And though. maybe... Yeah, so... It's going to be massive. Whether it's a flip of the the the, the polar the polar opposites, or you know, AGI destroys us to save humanity itself. I, I don't know. Um, but I've always had this thought. No, I wrote this back a few pages ago, actually. Whereas um, where they find all their minerals, like gold, steel, like we call it iron ore, or you know. I don't know. Uh, maybe with our old civilizations, or something like that. <laughs> old cities um, that have turned to dust over time, I suppose. But yeah, definitely uh, got hell Star Wars vibe from that whole conversation, and then Terminator vibes. But I think we're we're past a bit of the Terminator sort of stuff. I think we're in that, in that next level. I don't know. Well, there's we'll a reason why Star for Star Wars rings so true when people talk about this stuff because Lucas was heavily inspired by so many ancient cultures in writing the ideas of Star Wars. The idea of this being these bad guys, that's a, a basis of the Scythian people. So the ocean-based peoples who like Vikings who would go around and rape and pillage everyone. Um, even in the comic books of Star Wars, the expanded universe, the Scythians are depicted and they look very much like the Bruce Sword Empire, which means red or red-bearded empire. And there's a lot of parallels there. So a lot of the stories we tell as humanity have a lot of similarities across time and, and across different cultures because we have a shared understanding or a shared history. And today that's manifesting in what you would consider to be multimedia, movies, Marvel, what we deem as superheroes are the demigods of the ancient past. And that's how we're seeing them in the modern day. Just got to let you know, Ryan has his hand up. I don't know if he's on a computer, but it was going up and down. Oh, sorry, Ryan, jump in, mate. You're good, good. I was actually trying to put it down. Yeah, I was just going to, I was going to say what he was saying, basically that it's uh super relatable you know so it um, attracts more people as well and he gave some examples that i was kind of touch on so there's no point in beating a dead horse <laughs> but oh, sorry then, ryan must have pulled that straight out of your brain hey no hey that's good man you know it means the synchronicity it means we're on point here right and there's nothing more there's nothing more that i like than being on point perfect No shame. No shame. Oh, come on, man. I'm enjoying myself. This is fun. Where else do I get to have these kind of conversations with people? Do it at the dinner table. Can't do it at work. So it's perfect here. 
Anyone else have any other theories or things they want to discuss and share? Because I'm ready to jump into another one that relates to the Indian invaders. All right. We'll, oh, we'll do. Yeah, the continent, continental drift is a gimmick. It's also one of those things that's also a gimmick. Just, yeah. Unpack okay, so, it for me. Unpack okay, it. So, obviously, like, for, okay. So, for anyone that does know a continental drift is, it's essentially like, like you know, large, large land masses, like moving. Uh, you know, so the continents, yeah. So the idea that like India drifted, you know, northward across the Indian Ocean and like collided in with Europe and caused the Himalayas, like that's all bullshit. Like, there's actually there's no evidence. So the person that came up with con the theory of continental drift, his name was Alfred Wagner, um, and this is like early 1900s, and he got huge amounts of rejection from the vast quantity of the geologists in North America, in the British Isles, in Germany, et cetera, et cetera. They all like just basically dismissed it because there was, there's never been evidence of a force that grand within the Earth's upper layers to be able to push a continent across like the, the, the ocean floor, essentially. So the idea that like, the, so what I'm saying is, the theory of Pangea is bullshit. The continental plates, and this is what the theory was for the longest period of time, is that the continental plates were, and in my belief, are static. They don't move. They jimmy around a little bit, but that jimmying that it moves or that little bit of, that tiny amount of leeway is purely from volcanism. So... Volcanism and tectonic activity, of course, but they're interchangeable. They work both in tandem. Um, so that idea that Pangea, like the entire planet was once, or, you know, all the land masses were one giant land mass and then it all slowly drifted apart and we, hey, it's all bullshit. Don't ruin Gogdwana for me, man. Don't ruin yeah. Gogdwana. Come Shit, on. Bro. And they, they, they try and pull evidence for the dinosaurs, bro. That's the only, yes, that's that's the only modern evidence they use is dinosaurs explaining continental drift, continental drift theory. But the mechanics and the physics behind continental drift do not work on, on paper. So it's just, it's all bullshit. All right, thanks, Fozzie. So it's a bit more of a, a shimmy opposed to a shake and movement. We're going to jump back to Ryan because I dare say he's got something to say now and hopefully I haven't this time. After Ryan, we're going to Lyra and then back to Steve. So I, I kind of agree with everything you said, but I do have a pushback on the fact that when you take all these landmasses and you kind of stick them together, they like they kind of do fit together. Now I'm not saying it's continental drift is which caused it. I think that if if this is true, then possibly something else might have happened that caused the the um you know continents to break apart. But um yeah, that's just my kind of personal opinion. But um uh, for a conspiracy theory, um I think you know. This is one that people probably aren't ready for, but um, EGI, which is elite gender inversion, I think that's a huge one where once people can swallow that pill, um, things will open up to them because, um, yeah, it's very hard to get someone to believe people that they were attracted to when they were a kid are actually a man or vice versa, you know, and um, 
that will open the door, in my opinion. And then so, also... So, sorry, Rod, are you, are you alluding to the idea that um, actors, singers, famous people in Hollywood, like a Meg Ryan, were actually born a man and they've gone under um, gender transition? Yeah, I think a lot of them, when they're born, they're, they're kind of born into this. It starts at an early age, you know, um, whether it's actors, politicians, um, royals, you know, all these people. Like, people don't realize how prominent that is, and it's hard to see, and it's a lot of people will just... It's, it'll make you uncomfortable, you know? I mean, even with Victoria's Secret, like, that stems from Queen Victoria which was actually um, a man, and it's Victoria's Secret. So if you look deep into that, that's kind of where they're from. And, um, yeah, it's just um, it's pretty disgusting. Right. Once you yeah, you know what, Queen Elizabeth was You can't man. change anatomy, you know? You can't change someone's anatomy. You so. know what, Ryan? I was a lot happier before I found out Damon was a man. A lot happier. Could I say I something about that? But Victoria's Secret, well, their secret is, is that you'll never look like them, I think. Is it because they're man-made? Yes. Lab-grown made by men. Well, that's a scary thing, because those are a lot of good-looking dudes, right? <laughs> I love, I love Thanks for um, jumping in, Lena. Cheers. And now I can't kick you because I'm not host or host. So oh, thank now. you. <laughs> thank you for sharing the space I wouldn't have found in. This is such a great space. So many great topics. There's Antarctica, Hollow Earth. Gosh, there's so much theories out yeah. there that we don't know about that we can talk mm -hmm. about. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's not a topic we're missing tonight. <laughs> If someone, if someone wants to fund a trip, I'll go to Antarctica. Like, I'm not going to get any permits, nothing. I'll get a boat and I'll just fucking go. I reckon yeah, you will get stopped by the Navy pretty quickly. Oh, they won't have ja they won't know jack well. shit, bro. You know how much ocean there is? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? They're going to send, like, a war vessel with, like, 5,000 people on board after one little thingy. Wait, Fozzy. You don't think that this, it's monitored from space? If you this is foolproof, though. Mind. Teresa, I've got a foolproof idea. We'll, go kill an, we'll, kill, we'll kill an emperor penguin. We'll stuff Fozzy inside. <laughs> we'll paddleboard him out there, and he'll just blend in. That's it. Apparently, you'll find Hitler's secret bunker out there in Antarctica, so go nuts and wanna, find it. I don't want to find the bunker. I just want to find those massive tunnels that, like, lead down under, like, the Earth's lithosphere. That's what I want to find. Is that why John Kerry goes to Antarctica, do you reckon? crawl the whole way there and look like a penguin. Oh, <laughs> All right, guys, we better jump to Lyra. She's had her hand up. Awesome topics. Um, I love Fozzie's newfound um, Indian roots. It's epic. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see some photos, man. I don't know if you've put some up. I've been pretty slack. I've got to check your Yeah, wall. I've been pretty slack. Um, yeah, so it's not just me, but yeah. Top bloke, mate. Great space. Missing Teresa. I didn't know you were part half. Awesome. Um, but yeah, everyone. Honestly, follow the speakers. There are some great speakers up here and conversation, obviously, is still in here. So um, 
the speakers. It's so good. But um, you were talking about giants, and um, in my Aboriginal tribe, our word for the giants was mile gym. And it was funny that you kind of touched on the aquifers and, I mean, you look everywhere across the world, nearly everywhere that there is somewhere that was spiritual to the Indigenous people, had some type of connection to whether it was a pyramid or, I mean, I don't know if you guys um, have seen some of the info that we're talking about below the pyramids, how they had... Um, the aquifers and the water ducks and things like that. So um, that's a theory to go down. It's interesting as well. Um, on a, a Skaldum, when you brought up Star Wars, I was like, oh, man, that shit cracks me up, like how they bring that shit out. But, like, there's X-Files. I tell my mum things and she's like, man, there was an episode on that in X-Files. And I'm like, it's crazy, hey, mum, because that shit's real now. And it just makes her question so much. And um, oh, what was the other one? It was um, Stargate. Hey, what a ripper that one was. How many oh. nuggets are in there? Oh, get Richard, out of town. Richard Dean Anderson, hard out. Honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then where was it? The Continental Drift Fuzzy. That theory just kind of shook me a little bit because... I have my own theory, which is interesting, because some Indigenous cultures are very similar to the Dravidians of India, and then um, also some tribes from Africa. Now, I don't know if many people realise this, but Australian Aboriginals, um, there's also a theory that we did not come from Africa, that we originated here ourselves. Now, you sort of said how you don't think that there was the continental drift, um, which I found interesting, because when we consider that we have all the no-fly zones and, um, you know, the shit that goes down around the Bermuda Triangle, and, like, you guys need to actually look where that is off the coast of America, because, like, where it is off the coast of America between, um, where is it? South America and whatever island. It's like such a funny spot. Um, Lyra, can but- I quickly pose a theory to you and see what you think on this? Now, continental drift, um, Fozzy seems to believe is not true, which it very well may not be. And we see that there's these interconnected ideas of different cultures on different continents so far away they could never have had contact, um, according to the current hypothesis. What about the idea, and this is biblical, and I only go this way because I'm a Christian and I love the theology on it. What if the idea of the Tower of Babel and humans being, their language being scattered wasn't so much the language but the ethnic creeds of people? Because you look at the different ethnic groups, they all belong to different continents and different um, geographical places in the world. So it's not so much a, a scattering of languages but a scattering of people. Well, it just makes me think of the 13 tribes. Yeah, and arguably you could say there's 13 different races or sub-races of different peoples. And then they say that Aboriginal people have the seven lines of DNA. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a bloody scientist, so, well, you know, we're all kind of reading. For anyone that knows, it's in a tool song. Check it out. We, 
with the continental crust thing, so the theory, the the the, the continental displacement or the you know the sort of continental drift theory. Um, <clears throat> so when um, uh, what's his fucking name again? When Alan Wagner, um, when he proposed that theory, the one that he didn't account for in his thesis was oceanic crust. He never actually explained in his theory about what ocean the role of oceanic crust. You know? So he's just basically said, yeah, hold on, mate. So he's basically just said, like, all the continents sit on top of the oceanic crust and there's some invisible in, invisible force that is pushing the continents in particular directions on top of the oceanic crust. But the oceanic crust today is connected to the continental plates because it's all one in the same. Like, you can simply just Google continental plates like you're not going to find a spot where there's going to be an open crevassive area where they're like, oh, this is just oceanic crust, and then there's these places that just like roam around. So his theory from the get-go was already false. But I don't know where I don't I looked at enough of like the sort of literature, but I don't know at which particular point in time it became widely accepted and why it became widely accepted. Because the theory is completely fucking bogus. And I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anyone that argues it. Because it's so full of fucking plot holes that it, to me, it doesn't make sense. Um, well, Fuzzy, I'm, I'm completely willing to take a multi-million dollar contract to go and prove it correct and then come back and then I'll be happy to oh, say it's false and it's fine because I'll get paid anyway. Take it. Okay, I've got one more thing to add. So, go for it, Lyra. Um, Aboriginal people seem nomadic, but... What's all the... Yeah, the Aboriginal people seem nomadic. I know, right. Um, but, you know, they look at the TI, um, Torres Strait, and sort of they're saying that the problem that they're having in the water rising and things like that, um, it's something that they have dealt with for long periods of time and they would just move in closer and then move back out. And so I just found it interesting. Australia had a sea in the middle of Australia called the Aramanga Sea. And so it went right through the middle of Australia. And so, you know, like if we're kind of thinking that, say, just purely the sea is rising and going down, could that sort of fit the theory but at the same time, because I know that the TI and Australia were much closer, like the distance wasn't as far as it is today, but that's because the water has risen. So I don't know, just another kind of spin to that. But my conspiracy theory that I'll leave everyone with is we have all these different types of dinosaurs and if you watch the movie How to Train Your Dragon, and you kind of think of all the different types of dragons that they have. And you consider the fact that the Chinese astrology has, is it 11 animals? Um, 12? But anyway, whatever it is. But all of them are real animals. And the only one that's not a real animal is the dragon. And they are on the flags of many European countries, uh, dating back to Tartaria. Um, and so just that's my conspiracy theory is what if the dinosaurs that we find are dragons and they're just classified as dinosaurs? Speak of my language, Lyra. Mm -hmm. Here we go. 
Love it. Um, I'm actually appearing on a podcast called Monday Night Master Debaters over on uh, Matt's show called The Great Deception Podcast. We're actually speaking to a guy who is very pro-dinosaur, and we're going to debate him on why dinosaurs were not real. So that's going to come out next week. Keep an eye out for that one, Lyra. Um, and just being cognizant of hands, it was... I think he's dropped. Oh, there's Steve. There, Steve's still there. Steve, then Pepe, and then Davo. Jumping, guys. Hey, thank you. Um, I was curious about the continental drift theory and how that relates to plate tectonics. Also, I saw something recently uh, posted on X. I don't remember who posted it, but all of the continents and the um, in the southern atmosphere point to the south like they have a very distinct point so the continental drift drip yes and uh wearing dolce gabbana <laughs> not drift that's the term it's been coined drift <laughs> yes and um no, the drip okay okay gotcha and uh what else was it? I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Also, I think it was the uh, the the Vida where they said, I, I, I am become death, the chicken vindaloo. Thank you. Word for word, that is the best quote I've heard all space. Thank right. you. Where and Teresa will attest to how true that is. <laughs> I'm laughing so much. What the hell? From the Bhagavad Gita? <laughs> this must be the, the English version that watch I've not read. Watch before I become <laughs> the destroyer of toilet bowls. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I'm yeah, laughing. My... Sorry. <laughs> I just want to say, if anybody is up as speaker and they are done speaking, can you drop down? You can always come back later. I just got to let Penny up. Yes, we've got a few people requesting at the moment. So if you've um, shared your conspiracy and you've got nothing else to speak to at the moment, you can always come up in a moment, just like Teresa has said. Um, just want to rotate a few people through if that's possible. I'll go ahead and drop down. That way Penny can come up. Thank you, Elena. Very nice of you. Uh, and we'll up to Pepe, I believe. Hello, hello, everybody. This is your boy, Pepe Who Kekbark, coming at you live from Kekistan. So, uh, first off, I must give my condolences to everyone down under because of your laws recently that say you can't go on Dixie websites um, to talk about things such as, you know, why would the Abos do that? Like, it's, it's a very valid question whenever you think about anything. But when it comes to what's my wildest conspiracy theory... <clears throat> Well, you know how man likes to lie about God, like, all the time? I'm just not going to believe that the utmost prophet of God is into kids. So, like, assuming man taught, like, man lies about God. Like, we want to have a special place. Because what if it's not even that we're so separate, but what if there is no separation between us and God and that like that's the real conspiracy like they keep trying to convince you that you are separated and you are bad and you must become the good uh and it's just nonsense because what if there is nothing but 
god and this is the like kind of the cosmic solipsist solipsistic deism sort of outlook on things but what what if there is nothing but god and god decided to make a friend and upon making a friend god had all the conversations and eventually said hey wait a minute I'm talking for both of us, but it was in stereo, but I can't do that because I'm only one person. So God made a, a, another one. So it was like three. And so like God and two fingers just like going back and forth until like they just et cetera, so forth the whole way down to where we are now. And God is just exploring God's self through us. And we are how God knows what it is to know. Because imagine you know literally everything, not just something, not just some things, but literally all things, except for no thing. So you would have to kind of hard reset and just get into it if that's what you wanted to do. Like if you truly wanted to know everything, I mean, you would have to know nothing at some point. And that's, that's one of the biggest conspiracy theories there are. That, it sounded like I just had a conversation with Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. That was amazing. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll throw another one back at you, though, Pepe. What if the existence as we know it is someone else's dream or when that person wakes to exist? Okay, and then I will uh, add whipped cream and cherries uh, to that with what if God just has an errant thought, and that is a reality to us. You know, life is but a dream, and so forth. Like, what What if, like, imagine God asks a question, which is a silly notion, because God has all the answers, and thus answers just become ways of arranging the questions. What if we're not separate at all? Also, and you have you do have to take into consideration this. What if God was one of us? What if God was a stranger no, what on the if bus? God is all of us? No, no. What if God is all of us? What if God was just all a slob like one of us? But I mean, you know, got to know what it's like to be a good boy and and doing the bad. And, you know, just sinning and being devout and just like all of these different experiences that God has created. Like, what is it to know all of them outside of living all of them? Is it I mean, like, it, it kind of sucks because like at some point you become afraid that you're going to break the nth wall, but it's an end. So, you know, there's it's like a really big number. Um, but what if what if like imagine Pinocchio as a analog analogous to salvation and you know if you're if you're a good enough idea in this thought experiment that God's having right now maybe you can become a real boy right um, great great philosophical questions Pepe I've got to just cognizant of hands I'm going to go around to other people uh, before we go, before we go to Peter. I'm just going to put this one there. What if you live your entire life and at one point a director yells cut and it ends up being you've been Gary Oldman playing a role the whole time because he's that good of an actor? That's another idea about existence. Peter, you're up, mate. All right. Thank you. Awesome space. You guys are awesome. We get to learn and laugh at the same time. That's how we remember. Okay. 360 days a year one time it was spinning and then it slows down 713 bc all nations that had no communications with each other simultaneously 
changed their calendar from 360 to 365 and a quarter. And then there's something called the fine structure constant, so with 137 and 138. What if we're on a turntable? Um, what if we're on a record? And this record turns 30 degrees every 138 years, counterclockwise. And um, the guy who's sleeping and we're in his dream, they, they created this dam and they stopped the Euphrates drying up so that they can pull up the tomb of Gilgamesh and it looks like he's sleeping. Thank you for letting me speaker. I'm going to drop down, and I appreciate your time. Y'all have a blessed rest of your night. Peace. Cheers, mate. That was a good addition to the space. Thank you. All right, going to Penny now. Thank you, Penny. I'm not sure if I was next. Um, I've got to take you back to what your conversation was about the dragons and the dinosaurs. Um, Scolding those my story, pretty sure too, so my may know as well. I've done the, my schooling out in the Nullarbor, so we did school by air. And then when I had to, when I was about 13, I had to join a normal school. I had to go into a class, which I found quite challenging. And we had a term, I'd been in there for about a year, we had a term where I had to, we all had to write, you know, something about history. Well, my mind has always been there was dinosaurs, there wasn't dinosaurs, there was dragons. And that they, you know, they covered up people finding dinosaurs, saying it was dinosaurs when it was actually dragons. And I wrote this, I wrote this huge essay took me the three months, put all my love into it of what I thought. And when I presented it, it sort of got thrown at me <laughs> and told to do again, which I refused. So I spent that day in um, like office and then I was expelled for two weeks because I refused to. The teacher threw it at me and said it would have made a great science fiction movie and now we want you to do something on real history <laughs> and i refused to which i was really glad my my mother and father um totally backed me and they they read it and they thought it was good it just wasn't quite what the <laughs> the teachers wanted and that the teachers should accept it so i didn't get in trouble at home which was good but yeah i, I got two weeks expelled so penny the teachers wanted more of a Michael Crichton kind of direction, a bit of a Jurassic Park thing, did they? They didn't want yeah, the idea of dragons? they wanted – it could have been history of evolution, you know, like. And I called it out to be an old balderdash. Like, I said, it's all crap. Like, it's just so that if anyone finds massive bones, they can that day it's dinosaurs um, and when it was actually dragons and giants. Penny, you just said giants as I was about to say giants. Thank you for yeah. saying that. That's the <laughs> idea that these are bones of the Nephilim and all the other manner of horrible Frankenstein monsters that the fallen ones created before the flood. So that's an interesting take on it. Yeah. So it wasn't just a take. It was a passion of mine all the way through growing up and I've never changed it. I'm in my 60s now and, and I have never changed my thoughts on it. 
Do you still have it? Do you have it oh, right yeah. now still? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. No, no, no. no. God, I was only about 13. I'm in my 60s. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a, it was a freaking novel, mate. I'd put my heart into it. <laughs> it was a novel. And, um, yeah, no, the teacher just threw it at me and said, what about a great science fiction movie? You're going to have to do it again and you're going to present it before the end of the year. And I kind of told him to fuck off. So, yeah, that, that was sort of <laughs> where I went in school. I was, yeah, for one thing, I wasn't used to sitting in a classroom being told what to do. When you do school by air, it's sort of more freedom. It's more like homeschooling. And, yeah, so I had that bit of culture shock too. So I probably was a little bit naughty. But, no, I stuck to what I thought and I didn't believe what they were saying. And many, any time I got in trouble at school was because I questioned what they were saying. I was always, I think it's either in you or it's not. How dare <laughs> you buck the status me. quo, Penny? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank you for continuing no. to be an imaginative and questioning person. That was a great story. I, oh, like. I don't think I'm imaginative. I think I'm fucking spot on, mate. Oh, hey, so do I. Come on. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I just had to bring you back to that when I heard about the dragons and the dinosaurs and, the, and giants. Was, yeah. It was my thing. And not just that, there's actually not in one museum is there an actual real bone. Did you know that? Not one museum. I mentioned this at the start of the space that there's never been a complete dinosaur skeleton put together and a lot of them are actually composite bones that have been created elsewhere. And science, they 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 actually don't put them out apparently. They don't put them out apparently. That apparently there's no real skeletals. They they say that they've been put in, you know, into safekeeping so that they don't perish. They probably don't want to show off the big set of Nikes on like the fourteen foot feet. And the big red hair and the big di- <laughs> giants. <laughs> yeah. But if all the dinosaurs, like, they all died in, like, you know, if that whole era of, like, the Triassic and the Jurassic, like, came to a close and all the dinosaurs and plant life and everything, like, you know, went under the soil and began decomposing and became fossils and turned to oil, wouldn't those dinosaur bones also be, be oil now? Wouldn't, like, I'd be filling up my, like, wouldn't I be filling up my, you know, my Holden Malu, um, you know, with like 98 premiums straight from a Brontosaurus's rear end? Like I don't, you know, it just doesn't really make any sense uh, to me. I have my theories on the oil too. That's the oh, blood of the earth. Yeah, we're on the same path on that one. 100%. That's where now, now we're just, you're just going back over all the fantastic stuff we started this space off, Penny. Where I'm were you? I'm going back and listen. Oh, I know. I wasn't around, was I? I was sort of, I had grandkids around and it, sometimes I just can't concentrate and listen. So There's been some colourful language anyway, so it's probably a good idea that you, that you weren't. Well, we oh, I was just thinking. I, I, can contribute, I can contribute to that colourful language, so don't you worry about me. Thank you, Penny. Um, I think we're going back to Lyra. Nocky wasn't here before, but his hand's gone down, so back to Lyra. 
Um, you pretty much described the Truman Show earlier, but um, when you guys were singing that song, What If God Was One Of Us, I don't know if you guys realise at the end of that and in like a few sections within it, I suppose, as well, but she says, nobody calling on the phone except maybe the Pope in Rome. And so she's talking about like, God or whatever, like maybe just trying to get home and shit. And so that is the funniest line from that song that I take away. Um, and then something that Peter was saying about the shift. Do you guys remember recently in the news they were going on about the polar shift and what kind of consequences that that could have and stuff? And um, and anyway, so yeah. Then I was thinking of my school days when um, <clears throat> that was brought up before. And I was thinking how um, I had internet in the early 2000s and I was like, you know, pitched on an adventurous kid. And I've always been interested in Egypt and um, the stars and things. And um, I did an assignment <laughs> in grade eight and I had all this research and my teacher actually asked me for the paperwork that I used because I did like this whole assessment on how black holes linked to white holes and the wormhole was the middle part and all this crap and the teacher was just like Where, where's your research from but um yeah just finishing off with like I like they find opals and um you think that they'd be much more petrified stuff and I don't think that any bones that we see in like museums are actual bones they're the um like 3d um prototypes that's what everything yeah, is pretty much so. that, they'll actually tell you that there is none like i've seen it like yeah ground up chicken bones put into composite plaster molds that's essentially what they are um just before well we that's funny in itself that if the t-rex's closest living relative is a chicken like we're a bunch of fools hey <laughs> Mate, have you seen the chicken run at people? They can be scary little buggers sometimes. But Lyra, you I'm should them, yeah. them freaking roosters. We you had one that had to go and meet its maker. <laughs> Lyra, you just brought up a topic that I wanted to talk to. A lot of scientists and astronomers have been talking about over the past 30 years, and in particular the last 10 years, a lot of stars in constellation air quotes, blinking out. Now, the hypothesis on this would be it takes so many thousands of years for the light to reach us anyway, so potentially in that time the star could have gone supernova and disappeared. But searching for the evidence of air quotes supernova, there's none to be found and no evidence of black holes. So mysteriously, these stars that are in our sky are blinking out and they don't know why. Isn't that an interesting one? Uh, unfightable, go to you, Matt. I saw you waving your hand before. You must not have a um, a phone, you must be on a laptop. What's going on? First time in this space, you're missing the point. Love the name. Good to see fellow Aussies up here. And I don't know, I've sort of uh, I've missed what has been spoken about, so maybe this has already been touched upon. But so I'm from Melbourne and we have a hydrogen collider in 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 our, in, our, in our city and i've witnessed a lot of uh, demonic possessions with people that i've come across and the amount of uh, the stories that i have with people coming to me and telling me uh, what's happening it's 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 been it's, it's been pretty uh, common lately 
I'm curious to know if he's because I'm I'm not a uh, really scientific type of guy, but what do you think this hydrogen collider is actually meant to do? I have my own theory on it. I think it's um, so with the vaccines. Right, I've noticed potentially what these vaccines can do is open up portals for entities to enter and use humans as vessels. Is the hydrogen collider sort of connected with this type of conspiracy theory? Uh, I'm fightable. Um, before I let Fozzie jump in on this one, um, so the idea scientifically is these these colliders are a means of recreating the Big Bang and testing infinite energy. You know the blah blah scientific kind of throwaway lines. But yeah, what you've said, there's a, a big theory that the likes of the one that's in Melbourne, the one that's in CERN, uh, are being used to open dimensional gateways or rifts to what people would consider to be demonic entities to let things through or at least communicate with other entities. That seems to be the theory that's going around on the internet these days and has been for a while. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And to compound that with the theories of the vaccine was a, a mechanism to take out the God gene in people to disconnect us from source, which in effect could potentially allow entities to step into our bodies a lot easier. Um, yeah, I have heard that one before, mate. Uh, Fozzie, go for it. Uh, I can't speak to the vaccine-related stuff. Oh, I'm not too sure. I mean, I wouldn't put a past scientist, to be completely honest with you, but I, but I truly don't know. Um, what, what, I, what I do know is, is that we live in a fourth dimensional reality. There is multiple dimensions. There's not just like this dimension. And when you look in um, what is seen as like Sanat and Dharma, like or the sort of um, cultural faith that exists, those cultural faiths that exist sort of uh, across like the Indus Valley, and then that goes into obviously like you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's this idea of, and it's more prevalent in Jainism, there's this idea that there is other sentient beings that exist in different planes or, or in different dimensions. Um, so, for example, in the fifth dimension, and it's spoken about in Islamic theology, um, is jinn. Um, so jinn are sentient beings that exist in the fifth dimension, um, and there are rituals that enable them to come into the fourth dimension um, and take physical form. Um, that could be laid into this idea that, like, conjunctions of planets opening up gateways, et cetera, et cetera. I would, I would bet, if I was to just take a random shot in the dark, <coughs> is that what CERN... I don't know about whether CERN... I didn't even know there was one in Melbourne, but if there is a Hadron Collider in Melbourne, what... I would guess is actually happening on a sort of macro scale level is that these smashings of atoms trying to recreate the sort of um, mechanisms of the universe is probably like temporarily during operation, weakening the sort of boundaries between dimensions, which is might be letting entities sort of flow into this dimension. That's what I say to that. Yeah, cheers for that, guys. Um, what you said as well, missing the point, um, with the God gene. Um, I, look, I don't go deep into these type of topics. Um, I don't have the time. 
but I usually go by my gut and my life experience. And I'm not vaccinated. But when I do encounter someone as well who's not vaccinated, there's this sense of uh, connection I feel where it could be the gut, could be whatever, Rura, but I think it's we relate to the experiences we faced when people were telling us we were endangering their grandmas and we've experienced um, loss of income, loss of employment. So we, we relate on that level, but there's also a deeper connection that I do feel with people who aren't vaccinated. Could be what you're t- talking about, missing the point with the God gene. I, I'm, I'm curious to know if you could go deeper into that because I've heard this before from uh, fellow workers about, you know, God DNA or hero DNA being a, and they're trying to suppress this. If you could go into that further. And to you, Fozzie, um, what you mentioned about genes was very interesting. Um, so I have a Muslim friend and I'll, and he'll, he'll tell me a lot about these genes. And I said, well, what's the belief that you view? Like, what are they created out of? Well, he said there's two opinions, so scholarly opinions. They're either created from smokeless fire or the second one's actually um, electricity, like lightning. So there's, there's two, the majority of the opinions of the Islamic faith, they believe it's smokeless fire. But there's also actually, yeah. he told me, which was very interesting, was that some scholars actually believe it's lightning. So they're made out of the same substances. And if you think about lightning, it's electricity. And if you think about all the devices we use and all the, all the phones and the programs and how, how related electricity is to these um. Uh, you know, with the 5Gs as well, if you could go into what are they really doing around with these 5G towers? Like, my bloody internet hasn't sped up since, so I don't know what they're doing. But, yeah, it's very, very interesting discussion. Okay, so um, yeah. as for the, the God gene, it's a, a coin term by scientists who uh, identified what was supposed to be one of our our scrap or useless pieces of DNA. We've got all these abundance of DNA within our cells and we're only just really starting to find out what they do and what they are through the Human Genome Project. One of them they isolated, they called it the God gene. Now, in theory, an mRNA um, therapeutic could be used to isolate and remove certain parts of the DNA. I don't really want to talk to that scientifically because I'm not an expert. I am not trained, as they put it. Um, but the conspiracy theory is that this is a way to try and separate us from God, from source, to try and um, do some shady stuff like that. Um, it's interesting you brought up the the gin um, because I recently did a, a, a cross podcast, a swap cast with a woman named um, Koch on her show. And it was all about the Hoover Dam and CERN and how... Actually, Alcoran almost link into interdimensionality and different worlds. So in Islam, Earth isn't a unique planet. There's other planets that are listed in it. Now, they may not be actually termed planets because of the, the how old the language is, but it talks to different dimensions. And Allah gave a method of transportation for his angels throughout the air quotes universe. The Quran calls them Maharish. Um, Quran 7, 70, 30, uh, and it describes how the angels use them to go long distance travels. Um, today, Muslims know these as the Maharij, uh, which scientists call wormholes. Um, so it p- forms this picture of this interdimensional travel from one place to another. And what's more is that the um, 
the Islamic faith actually believes that end times will occur when a clan called the Yagog and Magog start to use the Marish to invade Earth. So it's their idea of demonic entities, somewhat similar to these higher higher plane spirits called the Jinn. Um, They believe that these entities that live on these other planets or in these other realms will invade Earth um, in the end time prophecies. Because a lot of people don't seem to um, remember that Islam is a part of the Abrahamic faith and has a lot of parallels with Christianity and Judaism, especially when it comes to the end times and revelation. Uh, But yeah, quite interesting that through my research and looking through the Quran and links to that, that it talks about the ideas of energetic fields and jumping from one dimension to another and how they apply to CERN and other places where there's supposedly these... um, almost like magnetic vortexes of high energy around the world. Muslims, so like like Muslim, like Islamic scholars, theologists, like I think, I don't, I don't like to use the term I think, but at least the conversations I've had, we draw some sort of consensus that the majority of them believe that jinn are like humans in the sense that they are sentient, they're capable of technology, they're capable of, art and literally all these things they've got religion so like in the fifth dimension there are like islamic jinn um yeah there's a whole thing there's even in the quran it's like um it's in the surah uh i think it's chapter 34 um goes in to discuss the notion that um there was a a a sort of muhammadian sect and a very early sect of like Mohammedans that like you know followed Muhammad, um, that actually played around with the smokeless fire or the rituals to sort of it's it's fire rituals Ali, in order to bring jinn into this dimension, and then would use jinn and they refer to it multiple times in the Quran as subjected jinn. So they're like under the subjugation of the the summoner, um, and that. The, Almost like in Solomon and how he used correct. Solomon to control demons. To build exactly. Demons. And in the Quran, they actually describe that the Muslims were the ones that decreed Solomon's death. So the Muslims are the ones that gave Solomon the jinn so he could have these grandeur things, which is obviously described in Judaism as Solomon having these sort of like magical abilities. Which which um, lines up historically, Fuzzy, because correct. the jinn predate Islam itself as a religion. They are actually mentioned in Zoroastrian um, ah. spiritual teachings of the, the Far East, mm-hmm. hundreds, of, if not thousands of years before the inception of Islam. So Yeah, you got the only place that still Fuzzy, practices... Could you just say that again? Sorry to cut you off. Could you just say that again with, in regards to Prince uh, uh, King Solomon? Yeah, so in the Quran, it's uh, Surah chapter 34. I think it's like it's like verse 10 or something like that. It's pretty early into that chapter. It's, I mean, it's not a long chapter anyway. But it goes through a series of stages about what jinn are, how sort of Mohammedans, so this is before the foundings of Islam, mind you, this is like Mohammedans. So they utilized jinn for essentially, essentially plants, actors, and they would put them into these positions because jinn, when they come into this dimension, can take on a physical role. They can actually take on a physical form. 
and they would use those gin for you know sort of getting um something out of whatever that mission was in this case this mission revolved around solomon so use the gin and to give solomon the like the sort of perception of of the israelites of the jews this idea that solomon is like magical he's like you know gifted like he's like the king of kings la 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 but according to the muhammadians that's not the case that the reason solomon was gifted with these like magical properties or these abilities was actually the jinn that they were subject so the jinn were subjected to the muhammadians that were you know using them as ops um, and fozzy just to add to that some of the earlier translations um that are associated with the huru mazda the god of the zoroastrians and what they mm. define as the jinn, uh, a loose translation into in, into English, into modern day English, is the whisperer in the ear. So it kind yeah. of goes along with those supplanted people, spies, people sent in, or entities sent in to manipulate how things are going. Um, and, it, and like you said, it ties back into that King Solomon building the temple. Now, in the Hebrew faith and in Christianity, we're led to believe that King Solomon bound demons to his will through a sacred seal and his rings. It was yep. gifted magical rings. He bound those demons and used their power to build the temple on the Temple Mount. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could I just chime in one second about Prince uh, King Solomon from what um, my... Because when you mentioned the Mohammedans, I'm assuming they're of sect of, of mainstream Islam. But from my so Mohammedans existed yeah. before Islam was formed. So these were the Islamic faith. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to just sort of chime in what I have learned in my limited understanding was that King Solomon was actually a prophet, and he made a so in the Islamic I'm talking about the mainstream belief is that King Solomon was actually a prophet and he every prophet has has their miracles right so when Moses split the sea that wasn't magic that was a miracle so the way I interpret or the way Muslims interpret miracles is that it's a direct power from God himself it's not the use of these jinns and with King Solomon he was actually a prophet, Prophet Suleiman, right? And Suleiman was actually uh, asked, he asked Allah to grant him a miracle or a power that no other prophet after him would ever attain. And that was the control of the jinn. And and when the Muhammad, peace be upon him, when he, he made a, a hadith that said, if it wasn't for the, the dua or the prayer of my brother Suleiman, I would have commanded the jinns, but because Suleiman made that request to God to have a, a, a unique power that no one will have, it was to control the jinns. Um, but that's just the, the mainstream uh, Muslim uh, th uh, view on that. Uh, other than what you're talking about, the Muhammadis, I've never heard of that before. Well, okay, so so the Hadiths came way later. They weren't there originally, um, but you'll find across the entire planet outside of the outside of the arab world during the like during the early islamic conquest or during the early arab conquest so this is so you have to go like right back to the beginning there's a there's a quite a lot of history when it comes to the nature of like the sort of initial spread of muhammadian thought this is obviously before islam came into being um 
and the Mohammedans, they went all the way down to the southwest of the Arabian Peninsula to where the Sabaeans were um, and a few places. Even the Buddhists in Tibet knew about them and they referenced um, the sort of early Muslims as Mohammedans because, as I said, like Islam hadn't taken the, the sort of Islamic state or the caliphate had not taken effect yet until after um, and Muhammad was obviously the one that formulated the sort of initial prototype of the, the, the Islamic Brotherhood or the Brotherhood of Islam. Um, but that came after the um, attempted conquest of Medina, um, which failed initially, um, or it was Mecca that failed initially. Yeah, it was Mecca that failed initially, and then um, Muhammad and his followers went to Medina Later on, like we're talking like 10 years later, then there was the reconquering of, um, of uh, Mecca. Um, but as far as I'm aware, as far as like historical literature goes, is that, and this is, as I said, in the Quran, bro, you can bring it to 34. It's like, it says it plainly. So in my mind, I go like, okay, well, if Muslims were saying Prophet Suleiman as Solomon, why would why would Muhammad and his initial followers like kill their own prophet? Wait, wait, wait. What do you what do you mean? So Solomon is in the same time period, correct? No, no, no. Much, much before than Prophet Much how far before? I don't know the years, but it was definitely before Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace be upon his uh, anointment of prophethood hmm. it was actually like well if we stem where magic stems from from the islamic mainstream uh, perspective it was actually uh, god sent two angels down onto i'm pretty sure it was the people of babylon there were the two angels were called harut and marut and these two angels were essentially the the early well the first type of entities or angels and the and angels mind you in the islamic faith don't have free will so they're a third um they're a third creation so muslims believe jinns angels and humans so the angels harut and marut were, were descended on the people of babylon to teach them magic however the the consequences were known to say if you do learn this then you're going your abode is hell um, this is according to Islamic Quran, um, and not according to any um, uh, sectarian, uh, other sect, sects like Muhammadians. So mm -hmm. the the origin of magic is actually from angels, Harut and Marut. But I got to push even, back on your brother. It's not. It, it, this it, is according to the, this is according to the Quran, brother. Yeah, yeah, it's Al Baqarah two one hundred two. Yeah, yeah. I'm just references. going. I'm just going. I'm just going back. Um, to what I have learned, um, according to mainstream Islam. Um, so Harut and Marut were angels descended by God's command to teach the people of Babylon magic. Um, and I could be 100% wrong here. I'm just going off my head. Um, and they were essentially warned that if you do learn this magic, your abode is hell. Um, so mm. the people who did learn the magic, obviously they, were, uh, they didn't really care. And that was, in a way, passed down through generations. Yeah, 
Okay, so um, I believe it's the uh, Dr. Mustafa Katab, the, the clear Quran, the one that's like, mo I think most people use like, like sort of in mosques. Oh, at least that those particular scriptures that come from uh, or the, the translations. Um, and for memory in that one, it definitely references Harut and Marut, um, but it's that the angels observed that humans adopted magic naturally and didn't know how to handle it. And then that caused problems that began to cause like a, a like a, like sin, essentially. Um, it, uh, bro, Islamic theology, Islamic scholars have been debating this shit. Fuck, they've been debating shirk for fucking time immemorial. So that we could go for hours on this stuff, bro. I mean, I love theology. Yeah. You could say that about all like, the Abrahamic faith in general across all three facets of it, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, it all goes back to a singular source that's well over 2,000 years old, probably 10,000 years old, all things told. But um, it's interesting that you did mention the uh, Muhadians, Fozzie, because they are mentioned by the orthodoxy, so the Eastern Orthodox Church prior to the Roman Empire, um, the first earliest sept of Christianity, they do mention um, the rise of Islam, but it's not through the prophet. They mention the Mahdians first, almost like a precursor to um, the prophet Muhammad coming. Yeah, it's the same as Christianity, bro. Like prior, yeah. prior to Constantine, like same thing. You had like Arians, A R I A N S R A. Why? Hey, Fonzie, so anyway. If you go to chapter 2, verse 102 in the Quran, um, there is. Surah or Juz? So, chapter 2, so Surah 2, and then. So, so, Surah 2, chapter 102, it's essentially saying, um, Never did Solomon disbelieve, rather, the, the devils disbelieved. They taught magic to the people along with what has been revealed by the two angels, Harut and Marut, in Babylon. The two angels never taught anyone without saying, We are only a test for you, so do not abandon your faith. Yet people learned magic that caused a rift, yeah, interesting word, even between husband and wife. Although their magic could not harm anyone except by Allah's will, they learned what harmed them and did not benefit them. So the the passage Harut and Marut, they were, so the two angels will never talk anyone without saying, "We are only a test." So that is a it's, it, that's not a disputed um, scholarly. No, correct. I think it just gets into the dialectics of the words because it says like yet people learned magic. It's like irrespective of Harut and Marut, humans still learn the conceptual idea of magics, like irrespective of whether the angels were there or not. Like, as, as you said, like, you know, they say, like, as it is in the Quran, you know, like they never taught anyone without saying they were, they were soundless creatures. Like they were just there almost as like guardians observers in some respect. And they yeah, of course, everyone has their own truth. I'm just saying yeah. what the Quran says, that's all. Oh, bro, th bro, there's, there, man, there's, there's, there's Islamic theologists that still debate these scriptures, like, till this day. No, no, uh, no I'm saying and then, it's not debated. It's actually not debated. It's, it's clear-cut, the verse. I don't know. And, and, the, the, well, I'd, the I'd say it's the Sufis clear-cut. Clear everything's up to interpretation. And I think 
we'll probably leave that part there because I've actually loved the conversation about theology side of things. Um, I think it comes down to the written word that's been it, it's as old as the hills, not dismissing any holy books by any margin, but the old words that have been written down, that translations can have issues, um, changing in the meaning of words over time can have issues. Um, we're only Westerners looking at this as well, so it's all up to interpretation. Um, Red Pill, you've just joined the group. Mate, what's your wildest conspiracy theory? Sorry, Red Bill, are you talking? I don't think if I can hear you. I can't hear him. Yeah, I can't hear him. All right. Well, if we can't hear Red Bill uh, down, come back in. That might be an issue there with the space. Um, sorry to just. I'm not going back to the theological discussion. I'm more going back into the um CERN, right? Um, so the hydrogen collider is in Melbourne. It's actually right across um Monash University, um. And I've noticed that, so just a bit of background, um, I run a security company, so a lot of my guards actually work in nightclubs. So just actually experienced by these guards is that a lot of the times these guards, right, they ha they, I've had around four guards come to me personally because I have a personal relationship with my workers and they've actually told me that, you know, and a lot of these guards, you know, you're on shift, you're doing whatever people else do, right? Drugs, whatever, right? Long as you're not drinking. <laughs> but these guards have actually come to me and they've told me, man, I can't work and I've, I've got to quit. And I'm obviously coming to them, mate, what's going on, mate? And a lot of these boys are Muslim. And a lot of them have actually been, have had possessions without any black magic, right? So, you know, from my limited understanding that a lot of black magic is usually used to possess someone, but I've been noticing people have been being possessed by these entities. Like one guy, I'll give you a story, he's, that, he's just, I'm not going to go on too long, is that a jinn fell in love with him. Oh, this guy's a good-looking bloke, but he, what he's told me is that this jinn is a female jinn, and there was no black magic done. She just simply fell in love with him. That's what possessed him, according to him. So it's just interesting, just going back to CERN, is like, is there a link between, because Melbourne's a very interesting place. It's the most locked down city in the world. And I don't know how many cities have a hydrogen collider in them. So I'm, I'm just sort of wanting, because I don't think we really extrapolated on that. Is there a link between, like, does anyone know if demonic possessions are linked to CERN? Because this is just my personal experience. Well, if these, if, the hydrogen colliders, and there's heaps around the world, which is the issue, there's multiple ones are scattered across the planet. Um, but, but if you go back to the Quran, that the, the two clans that are supposed to arrive to wreak havoc on the earth, which are called the Yagog and the Magog, they come beyond earth from two dams. Now, if you're using Stern or the idea of Stern and the way it creates a toroidal field, which looks like a shell, um, and like it, you could almost surmise that these could be the two possible ends of the dam. One could be on one part of the world, and one could be on the, on the other, and that's how they enter the world that way, almost through like a toroidal field through the Earth's center, 
using that energy vortex as a method, but it has to be switched on like you're turning the key to a gate or to a door and it's done via two dams and whether they're scattering these things across the earth to try and find the right place to actually tap into those those portals or those gateways, whatever you want to call it, that's possibly a, a way to look at it. And if those things are getting out, what are they doing to the people they encounter? That's something else altogether. So you're making a link between CERN and uh, Gog and Magog or Yajuj and Majuj, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, essentially. That's what um, a, a little bit of a, a thought process that came through my mind is that these these wormholes, these abilities for angels to reverse and travel that are, are listed by Allah is creating those transportation points through the universe. What's to say that um, the Magog and Yagog aren't going to use those in a modern context and what we've done today instead of using air quotes magic, the idea of anything um, more advanced is indiscernible from magic. What if our modern day technology is just tapping into something that's far far more ancient and just doing it via a different method. Yeah, you can extrapolate so much on Gog and Magog, and I'm glad you brought that up, but I, got, I see Lyra with uh, their hand up before I go into that. Go for it, Lyra. Yeah, it just got me thinking um, how in Aboriginal culture, you know, we have a witch doctor, um, which is someone that goes through initiations and then um, has honed their powers. Um, a Karachi man is someone who didn't um, make it through the initiations, I'd say, and became a lawman. And then the Featherfoot is when the spirits are taken over them and they then in our culture, would steal the children. <laughs> um, and so <clears throat> it's quite funny when you kind of look at what is deemed as magic versus what would be deemed as alchemy um, because they're two very different things, I think, um, in terms of the way they're used. Um, but, yeah, so possession, schizophrenia, like, you know, I think they're all a little bit more linked. And I've had some pretty interesting conversations with people and um, I've asked them, you know, like, when you've been in a particular state, um, like, have you ever seen anything? And some of the um, things that I've had from people who don't know, the similarities, it's, yeah, crazy. What about... um? What about the idea that, like, when people experience, like, sleep paralysis for the very first time and there's, like, a cold chill in the room and they feel like there's a presence there? What do you think that is? Sorry, could you say that again? So I've, I've chatted with people before where, they've, you know, a few people have talked about, like, experiencing um, sleep paralysis. And like when they experience it, there's this this feeling in the room that there's a presence there, like in the room, like the room will go very cold. Um, they can't move their body and they feel like there's something, you know, and like uh, there's been accounts of people feeling like, you know, there's a there's um, uh, almost like a pressure being forced upon their chest, almost like someone's pushing down on their chest and stuff like that. Um, you know, I wonder, I wonder like if there is you know, particular points on the planet, like, like let's say for um, ley lines, 
where there's um, very weak points in the ley lines that allow, you know, under particular instances, like for example, like a Hadron Collider, um, to sort of open up these these gateways that happen to just like, I mean, humans obviously can't see them because if they're playing in, in the different realms of like the electromagnetic sphere and vibration and frequency and all these things, there's a chance that like, yeah, maybe the, maybe the colliding of atoms that are generating erroneous, uh, sorry, not erroneous, uh, abundance amounts of, of electricity or uh, an abundance amount of energy is actually having a, a negative impact on the sort of the ethereal structure of the universe. And that goes into the dimensions, you know, first dimension, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. And when you're playing with these mechanisms of the universe, it's opening up or weakening the boundaries between dimensions, which allow these, these jinn or demons or whatever to come through and permeate into our dimension, into our reality, which is then causing these effects of like sleep paralysis, possession, falling in love with gin, like whatever it might be, changes in weird behavior. One day, one person is completely fine. The next day you see them, there's something completely off about them. Like, you know, you get that, you get that feeling that something just a bit off. It's yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows, but it's yeah. Fuck man, this conversation. Is, I know what you're talking about, Fozzy. I definitely know. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Because I feel the vibration for sure. It's the vibration. I've so going back to these guards I've been working with, I've experienced sort of shifts in energy where they would say things that wouldn't correlate with their personality, and I could sense straight away the back of my uh, my 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 neck would just go up. You know, you get that feeling. Um, And I just wanted to just touch on the difference when you say. There's actually jinn, like when you say, well, jinns are trying to possess us, uh, Islamically, it's not an accurate statement because jinns are, are just like... Oh, know, yeah, I wasn't saying. No, no, I'm not saying, but people say, like, well, jinns are like devils. It's more like a good jinn would just be called a jinn, but when a jinn disobeys the commands of God, they become a shaitan or a satan. And it's just interesting, like, because people wonder, like, why are these entities so obsessed with us? Why can't they just bloody leave us alone? Because we obviously are not really, we can't even see them, let alone worry about them. The only time we're talking about it is because we're experiencing these things. And it's interesting because in the Quran, right, it's actually, it's actually stated that when God created Adam, he commanded all of creation to bow down to Adam. And all of creation, including jinn, including the angels, prostrated towards Adam. And this um, uh, chapter, uh, Surah 2, verse 34. Um, and all creation uh, bowed down to Adam except uh, Iblis. And Iblis at the time was actually one of the highest levels of jinn, where they actually say that there wasn't a place on in the, in the universe where Iblis didn't prostrate to God. And what happened is that when Iblis was commanded to bow down to Adam, and this is just from a Quranic uh, background, um, that he refused. He said, why should I bow down to this? He's made of clay. I'm made of fire. So and he directly disobeyed the commandment of God. And when God replied, are you directly disobeying me? He said, yes. 
you know, he says, well, the consequences for that is, is hellfire. And he said, he replied, that I'll bring, I'll show you why he is inferior. I'll bring every one of his children with me. So for me, it's like when people are, are, are engaging in entities who, 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 who are shaitans, the thing is, is that they look at you as an inferior being. So for me, it's, in Islam, it's forbidden to actually engage in any types of communication, let alone magic, with these shaitans, is because inherently they are not with you. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not with your uh, well-being. So, and and you can see, I know people who've engaged in magic. They don't live like it, it's a very risky type of. Uh, uh, behavior to engage in and i'm sure a lot of people who have engaged in magic can see the consequences of what happens but yeah just throw that in bro i've been told man like you know there's a high chance that if someone happens to summon gin like you know by doing the same fire rituals smokeless fire like and that gin because you don't know what you're gonna get right like you're playing with like a mixed bag like you put your hand in the fucking in a, in a bag of snakes, you might pull out like a venomous one, you might not. And sometimes people pull out the venomous ones and those ones actually like eat at your soul and they'll linger and they'll stay around. And like, you know, people will end up getting like physical, physical debilities. They'll end up having like mental health problems. They'll instantly get sick, like a whole host of things because they've been possessed by demons or evil jinn or whatever it might be, whatever it is, whatever the fuck it is in the fifth dimension, 10th dimension, up my asshole, whatever it is. Uh, I think it was, I think Skulls had his hand. No, no, Lyra was before me. Okay. Um, okay. So the Lyra Skull then also. I'll be quick. Um, but yeah, it's hundred percent like a war on spirituality and the ley lines. It's interesting. You mentioned that, um, pretty much all our spiritually connected areas is where they like to put one missions to connect the areas with, but also you'll see cities built around specific areas. And if you look at your local cities, um, local people are uh, indigenous to the area and where their spiritual areas were and then you locate them and you have a look at the interesting um, connections there you'll find it amazing um but my cousin she was very sensitive and like when she'd go to people's houses like she couldn't go to some houses she'd go to certain places and she'd be like nah and then you know it turned out that something had happened in that area so yeah, there's definitely, like, energies that are left in areas, whether positive or negative, and that definitely happens. And that's why a lot of people do smoking ceremonies to cleanse ourselves, cleanse the house, remove those energies, helps reset and things like that. Get your fucking stage out, boys, and start smoking the fuck out of your houses. Some people really do need to be getting rid of that energy, hey? <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, I um, I jump in, Scott. Yeah, yeah, cool. I I, I, I had to jump in just because I had to jump out after this, but I um, I, I was listening while I was um, um, doing my thing, and uh, I suffered from sleep paralysis. Uh, it was horrible. I hated it, but I haven't had one since um. 
I, I remember my last mushroom. One. No, 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 no. Nothing with mushroom. I, I hadn't, I hadn't taken mushrooms at this point in stage. Uh, oh no, I had. Yes, no, my bad. I had taken mushrooms, but uh, I was getting them since I was. Oh, I remember my first one actually. Uh, I was in year. I was in preschool, uh, pre-prime, uh, preschool, uh, kindergarten. Sorry, kindergarten. And uh, I'd get them all the time during that, and then I'd get them all. That was pretty much the first one. So I remember the house too. It was got locked in the bathroom, and no one was upstairs with me. It was random. Um, managed to get out too. It was actually my birthday that it happened on. Um, and yeah, and I got a sleep paralysis all the way up towards about. Oh yeah, I had broken my neck. Um. I think I was 20, 2021, 20, 2021, and that was my last. Did you break your? Uh, did you break your neck, mate? You fucking sinking down, pissed at the fucking pub, and you fall over. No, no, I was at the, uh, I was at the beach, and uh, at uh, Scarborough mm. Beach in Perth here, uh, there's two sort of when the when the when the tides in, there's two um, sandbars. And I managed to wow. I managed to land head first on one of the sandbars. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly where it is, Skull. Yeah. That water can get so powerful, yeah. it's intense. Crazy. Fuck. So um yeah, I spent oh, I spent spent three months on my back. Um but then I got I I was put into the, I was fitted into one of these uh braces lucky i didn't have to get no knee like you know how that screws on for it shit like it was just a brace that held my chin up and stopped me from moving my head side to side but it went all the way down to my belly button um and that was the last time i got sleep paralysis it was really funny you know what i did crazy because i knew i could consciously think um but i couldn't move so I give myself a countdown, and then I'd be able to, as I got to zero, I would just use every muscle and body to move, and boom, that was the last time I um, ever had one. It was crazy. Yeah, they're pretty. Um, anyone that hasn't experienced it before, I have experienced numerous times. Not, not, you know, not in recent years. Um, but it definitely is like, you know, if you experience sleep paralysis for the first time, it's definitely a, a very sort of um, confronting thing, especially sort of waking up in the dead of night. You can't even move, you know. And if you if you do happen to feel like, like a cold presence in the room, you know, you feel like there is something there, um, just push through it. That's my only recommendation. Just push all the way through it. Just tell your brain, just be like, tell this fucking gin to fuck off and just like jump out of bed start throwing swings in the air and see what happens yeah bro i used to i used to say that to myself too get out when i started getting really good at it but i remember my first one was crazy the walls just were... roundhouse kicking the oxygen mm. get those oxygen molecules away mm. from me um <laughs> aussie what's going on brother my brother Fuzzy and the family, yes, what a beautiful, beautiful topic. Woken up to in about, it's about almost 11 o'clock, <laughs> but I did get up really early. But what I was going to say was, right, because um, I am Muslim, I mean, some of the people know this, but look at this, there's two types of beings that God created, 
Yeah, there's these beings called jinns and shaitan that live for thousands. They're like the dinosaurs. They, they're amongst us. They're another beings. And then God went, as well as he made Adam and Eve. So he said, mankind, they made you pairs. So we're in a, before, we did used to see each other. Yeah. And we used to rob each other from them. And there is, they are around, just like oxygen or gas or Wi-Fi or all of this. You know, some things you don't see with the naked eye. They, they, they what do you call it? They, 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 these things are there. But the third eye sees it, which is our mind, our glands, you know, our third eye, yeah? So what it is, is like, they only prey on fear, all right? And we are more superior to them. They can go and run the world in, 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 in a blink, right? There's seven types of these, seven serpents of these. There's the, do you know, the seven sins and all of that. This is what it is. Just look at it like Aladdin. You know, Aladdin, when you get a magic lamp, and you go and rub it and the gene comes out, genie. And it gives you three wishes and he wants something back like the Twin Tower. So what it is, there's good and bad in all kinds. There's, there's, there's good and bad in them and there's good and bad in us, but we're not meant to trade with them. So, you know, the people, there's good and bad humans as well, where the world is not just black and white, you know, there's humans, because the crime we do, the only way that what it has is when we do things against each other, yeah, because mm. we are, there's, think, there's um, enough of, what do you what do you reckon the genie is, Ozzy, do you reckon yeah, it's uh, a Robert, Robin Williams genie smoke. or Will Smith? Well, this is Hollywood and Bollywood and Nollywood and all of that stuff, yeah. You can do it that way if you want it, yeah. But there's no smoke without fire, put it that way, yeah. So these things have a spirit, we have a soul. You know, if you tap on your chest, this is a soul, yeah. We have a soul, or we have a brain. And what it is, is when the hearts, when the minds, no, you win the brains. Then you win. The soul is the one that's designed for heaven. So the soul loves everything bad for us. The soul is like the the yin, and our brain is the yang. Yeah. So the one that says no and one says yes, a tough, you know what I mean, tough love sort of thing. Yeah. So if you do give in to the worldly things, because tomorrow is not promised to nobody, and this is a crime against God if you harm the animal animals, if you harm the trees, if you, you know, things have to be preserved, you know, we're like the guardians, look at the animals, they're all perfect, and they see things as well, and then when you're talking about Gog and Magog, yeah, these are other beings that did do bad to us before, yeah, and then was Arab book or whatever, there's lots of things, you know, the seas rising, the global warmings and all that. These are another type of creatures. And then there's um, another, there's another one, there's another one called the Antichrist, the Dajjal. He's another guy who's completely different. So these are three different type of things. Yeah. Gog and Magog, another two types of nations. And one, just watch Lords of the Ring, the, you know, them, 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 um, um, them hobbits or whatever. That's that. That's that, people. Yeah, so when you look at the, the Antichrist, there's another type of being who, who's a false messiah, whatever he's called, yeah? His name's Dajjal. But then there's the jinns, which is seven serpents. And we have seven stages. Seven stages, 
seven dimensions. Like when we are souls made, we all knew each other once. And then it was in a mom's stomach. We couldn't eat with a mouth. It was through the embryonic cord. Then as a baby, we said, go, 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 stage three. Then stage four is here. Then stage five was, stage four is like when you know what's right, what's wrong. Stage five is the grave, another world. And stage six is having a, a, a judgment day, sorry. And stage seven is having a hell. Yeah, so there's seven seas, seven nations, and seven scenes, and seven. These numbers are important. Yeah, so oh, yeah. numbers, yeah, numbers are amazing as well. The ninth, nine month, we stay in the stomach. The ninth heavens, the ninth, ninth heaven. That the, the, the these numbers are amazing. I, I call numbers a quicksand. If tomorrow never existed. Yeah, if tomorrow was guaranteed, then numbers would have no cup of tea in our world. That we wouldn't even we'd be another dimension. So numbers absolutely. is so much absolutely amazing because we don't live forever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely so true. It. Sorry to interrupt, guys. This is a great conversation, but this has been going since about six thirty now. So unfortunately, I'm gonna have to shut the space down on my end. But I will give you guys time to round out the hands that are currently up. Um, have your last few words and then I'll um, have a few things to say at the end. But yeah, just um, round uh, out your final words first. To, yeah, Teresa, you had your hand up. Did you have something to say? Nope. Okay, she's not there. Um, there's going to go, I think it was Noki, then Unfundable, and then Qatar. Yes, there you go, guys. I was trying to seek earlier, but then it might have been looking Um Just going to cover a couple of quick topics. I, I don't beat around the bush. I was just going to the phone. Just so not a fan of the outlandish use of the word gin in that last few hours. No, you actually, a, um, you're actually a little bit muffled, brother. It's actually a little bit difficult to hear you. Is that any better? Uh, hard to tell from my end. I don't know about anyone else, but... Oh, it just sounds like you're in a tunnel, mate. Yeah, he's in the east-west tunnel, bro, with Daniel Andrews. He's digging up those fucking tunnels. You make out. I'll be short of the sweet, mate. I'll talk loud. You need me to talk loud. Just clear and clear and use your use your diaphragm. Go for it. Don't forget, alcohol is for the devil's piss as well, and you know mental illness and all of this stuff it is that as all families. You know that. Hundred percent. All right. Um. Okay. So Noki has forgotten his point. That's fine. Um, undoubtedly, you're up, brother. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on what Ozzy brought up because he brought up some interesting points. He brought up that they prey on fear, right? And this is a sense that, I, for example, in, in, in Surah 7, chapter 11 in the Quran, it says, Prostrate yourselves before Adam, where they all prostrated except Iblis. He was not among those who prostrated, right? 
I asked myself, these chapters reoccurred a lot in my, in my brain. I, I always asked the question, why did God command all of creation to prostrate to Adam? What made Adam so special that even with Iblis and all his might and all his power and accreditations, he was commanded, Iblis, Satan, the leader of the Shaitan, he was commanded to prostrate to Adam, who was made of clay. And then where Ozzy said we have a soul, and this is a mystery that we don't really know, uh, according to my limited knowledge, why God commanded all creation to bow down to Adam. But I do believe there's something special about us humans, that just due to the fact that they were commanded to bow down to us, that's what gives me the confidence where I do sort of sense this energy in the air. And, and you know what I say? Your leader was commanded to bow down to our father. So, so who is he to incite fear in me? So that's my source of strength is that passage. And I get, I, I get, I get confidence from that. And yeah, just wanted to, to, to end it on, on that note, on that positive. And we're all humans. Adam, according to me, uh, according to the Quran, he's all our father. So anyone who's experiencing sleep paralysis or, you know, just remember that their leader was commanded to bow down to our father. We are the superior race. And I'm not saying that with arrogance. I'm just saying that they were commanded to bow down to us. Yeah, and with that bit, when they had to bow down, you know, before humans got created, there was angels and demons that were having a war on his earth. Called Dunya, and then there's a guy that helped them called Iblis, and then he was an ally, and then God said, Bring him up. And you know, stuff we are limited with knowledge, and we can still connect dots every day. We're learning things. Do not, do not keep asking questions, you have to keep looking under every stone because we all have our own blueprint, we all are special. That's that's the amazing thing about our life. So the situation is either we buckle up or we don't buckle up because we're in a major, major crash. There's no time to to be judging each other. Judge yourself. Clean your own house first. Start soul searching. Then start turning other people to clean their own house. You know? So yes, we have a duty of care. We have a duty of care. Amen, dude. Amen. Um, Tom and then Queen. I'm up next. Yeah. Yep. Hey guys, um, I just happened to wander in here. Uh, I was in another chat earlier about uh, AI and uh, mathematics, and I, I kind of touched on the subject where how do we use like uh, set math uh, rhythm <coughs> and uh, other type of uh abstract like theology into like existing um application like how do we use math in that type of way you know and i talked about sound frequency i talked about how uh body work and all that kind of stuff so i think when people talk about uh being possessed satan going back to you know what everybody's talking about the last little bit um I, I i also think that it has a certain form or shape um I, I think even the english language has a particular way of uh pointing out like the 
uh, italics and the incursives. Like in cursive, you're kind of spiraling in the loop. And in, in, in my, in, I'm Chinese, so my my theology is Buddhist. But um, when we talk about evil, we think in terms of tilt, not in terms of like bad, because there's um, there's definitely a, a, three, a degree of separation, and how that came to be is the first dart, as they say. It's like the first trauma, you know, you want to say. Um, and then the, the, it's like the game of Go, if anyone ever play it, or Reversi in, in, in English, uh, where you've basically flipped the tile, and however the, the, the pendulum kind of swings from the left to the right, kind of looking at a mirror reflection of your emotion rather than what it is that you're actually perceiving in the current moment. So in, 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 in that regards, Everybody is dealing with their own demons in their own way. It is struggling right now because there's just too much um, visual context that we need to perceive in order for our life to be meaningful. So we're kind of stuck in a catch-22, you know? Damn it would be, damn it not be, you know? So uh, what... I would say take the bad like a pinch of salt. It is good to know what bad is. Then you don't. Then you know what good is. It is. It is because you're loved. It's because you're loved. But keep asking questions. You got in the bad. You know. You got a feel on the floor to get back up. You know. So my brother, you're there, man. You're there. Alrighty, Queen, you're up. Finish this off. Yeah, I'm not sure about uh, being possessed by Satan or not, but I saw that the name of this room was um, What's Your Wildest uh, Conspiracy Theory? And um, my wildest conspiracy theory is uh, that um, there's one Epstein island that we know about but there are lots of trump hotels and trump you know golf courses associated with these um you know meeting places for people we know that women are um trafficked in hotels for prostitution uh, we know that there are lots of uh cameras in the tvs so we know that um these Trump hotels may be blackmail operations. You know, a lot of people do uh, drugs and uh, prostitutes in hotels. So that's my big conspiracy is that this Trump crew has got a lot of people, you know, diverted to these underground places that people are being trafficked while the whole time they've been watching people being trafficked. Uh, in their Trump uh, facilities. So that's my wildest conspiracy theory. It's pretty wild it's one. Wild. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, my hands are going up at the moment. Like I said, unfortunately, I've got to nip off to bed, so I'll be shutting this space down. Don't worry, there'll be more popping up in the future. Um, just a reminder, if you've enjoyed anyone speaking tonight and sharing uh, the experience or you think what they've had to say is on point, give them a follow. Follow my lovely co-host, Teresa and Fozzie. And my last little shameless plug, if you've enjoyed the content on this space, 
you'll enjoy my podcast called You're Missing the Point, available on Spotify and all usual podcatchers. You don't have to worry about paying for the content. I do it out of the goodness of my own heart because I like to talk about all of this crazy shit. Um, anyway, thanks for being here tonight. Quite a few people have been in. Thank you for being respectful, for putting your hands up. Those people who didn't get a chance to speak tonight, don't worry, we'll catch you next time around. Uh, Therese, anything to say? No, thanks, guys. Great space. I look forward to the next one. Uh, oils, uh, oils fake general. <laughs> what the fuck off? Uh, dinosaurs are fake and gay. And on that note, <laughs> I'll catch you all next time. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's closing time. You don't gotta go home, but you can't stay here.